have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, webcomics, manga, and everything else you might be reading, we're here to talk about it. As always, I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who's always at my side, Houseway. I'm so fucking excited to just dish out my comics this week, because, again, it was another big one. Because I just want to get toasty, listen to the new Gojira album, and play Pokemon Snap. I know it's a comics and reading podcast, but goddamn it, I've been excited for all of those other things, too. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're nerds. Yeah, so. no, we're nerds. <laughs> uh, I'm excited about Pokemon Snap, too. I'm going to buy it tomorrow. Nice. So. Uh, yeah, so as you guys know, we're here to talk about the newest week's uh, week release of comic books. Uh, and we're going to get straight into it. This week is unique. Hosue actually has more books than... I do, which doesn't always happen. Oh, damn. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get straight into that. However, Josue, do you have any comic book news? Anything you think on the top of your head? Top of my head? I, I, I have to start jotting these down as soon as they come out, just in case, when you, when you ask me every week. Uh, nothing that I can think of? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean... Um, my brain has just been mush, because I've just been watching fucking Mortal Kombat over and over, so uh, I can't think of any nerd comic news. Yeah, I can't really think of much. Um, yeah, I think we're good. The only thing is, is we know that DC, DC's fandom is coming back in October. They just announced that. Oh, cool. Damn, October? Yeah, but, I mean, the last one was kind of... Yeah, so I'm saying like they really don't have anything prepared for, for, for even Comic-Con then. Yeah, exactly. Well, Comic-Con's not till November, so... Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't think I really have much of anything. So, um, awesome. Well, we'll go straight into our comics then. As always, you guys know at this point that we don't start with a bang. We start with, with a boom. boom. And we're going to start with Boom Studios. We only have one book, Boom Book, this week. But it's arguably their best one. Uh, it is arguably... It's, it's, it's probably their best book. Uh, I will actually give you guys a quick preview. I'm going to cur- currently start writing a series for the Geek Elite Media website called Why You Should Be Reading. Oh, where, that's where, good. where I'll write a summary of ongoing comic books and explain exactly why you should be reading them. I like that. And my first one is Once in Future. Oh, it has to be. Yeah, so, and it's very complimentary of uh, the colorist. So let's talk about that colorist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, creative team. Uh, for once in future, number 18, Karen Gillan writing, Dan Mora drawing, Tamara Bone villain coloring, and Ed Dukeshire lettering. Okay. This is when this series takes a turn. <laughs> How many? <laughs> 18 episodes or 18 issues have built up to this twist. Yeah. And the world is very different now. Um,. You guys might know this as the Arthurian, modern Arthurian legend. Uh, Duncan and his grandmother and his girlfriend, quote, they're kind of complicated. Love interest. Um, <laughs> love interest, yeah. They're, uh, they're going around, they're stopping m- monsters, they're trying to keep it all secret. 
and uh, the public can't know because there'll be panic and all this stuff, right? Well, they're able to stop Galahad, who was trying to steal the Grail and take it to to Arthur, and Arthur's slowly withering away, and he's just like, you know, this is my end, and the whole thing is like, yeah, he'll come back one day, but he's done, and we're like, oh, this is going to be the end of the arc. And then, the greatest villain in the entire world, Boris Johnson... (laughs) Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, who is only seen in shadow, but you know what? It's Boris fucking Johnson. <laughs> it's better that way too. <laughs> it's so much better. There's no, everybody... no color in in Oliver Palette. Could Tamara actually capture just that fucking ugliness on there? So it's better to just be left in the shadows. So he's the Prime Minister in this world too, or someone who looks like Boris Johnson. <laughs> so I don't want to be similar position. Yeah, who has a very similar profile. <laughs> I would say an identical profile because yeah. this shot right here. Oh yeah. That's Boris fucking Johnson. Oh, totally. <laughs> like no one else has that hair. Anyways, basically um, he, he, he decides that the public should know about the magical beans because he's a fucking dumbass, <laughs> and he only wants to do it. And by that, I mean the fictional man, I'm not criticizing. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, because basically he wants to be Churchill. He wants to be remembered like Churchill, which is a really selfish, ignorant, and in-character thing for Boris Johnson to do. <laughs> so he's like, hey, America, or hey, uh, England, magic's real. Shit's magic bad. <laughs> and anyone who knows anything um, about British magic belief and everything, it's all based on belief. And as soon as he tells everybody that that shit's real... Well, everybody starts believing it, and suddenly Arthur gets a second fucking win, <laughs> because now people believe he's real. Thanks, Boris. So, oh God, I'm just going to shit on Boris Johnson for 15 minutes. Um, so, he's all powerful now, and then Arthur does, he has the greatest face turn, which if you don't listen to wrestling, or watch wrestling, you don't know what a face turn is. It means he turns into a good guy. He had the best face turn in history when he teleports immediately to to Boris Johnson. I'm putting quotes around him (laughs) and proceeds to rip his head off on national television. So now our new hero is King Arthur. Uh, So that's cool. Um, (laughs) Am I being too political? I don't know. No, you're perfect. perfect. (laughs) This book is is incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So now basically the public knows about it and all this shit's going to be more powerful because the public believes in it. And we're left with one final side or one final page reveal of all these crazy monsters stomping around the countryside. It's so crazy. And it's become such a bigger story now. Yeah. It's not just about them. It's about everything. They even reference uh, the, the year and a day challenge that is still probably, that's still probably going to happen. I mean, I fucking want the series to like go for that long where we do get to come back to the green night or to that challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, was not expecting to just end up now in this setting. Like, what? I had a lot of what the fuck moments this week in comics, and this was for sure one of them. Yeah, it's like it's the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the event that everybody always says post apocalyptic. This is what made it post apocalyptic. <laughs> so it's just it it's a complete genre change almost. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just incredible. Like it's it's still done perfectly but well. really cool it was, again like the whole like it was like merlin's contingency plan and that's how it worked in the end it's like fuck 
again, for sure, I'm glad they're going to make some the first one. This one should be the one that everybody should be reading. Definitely. So, so check that one out. It's at issue 18, which means it's perfectly set up for that third trade. Yeah. Um, if anything, also probably one of those like those those thick uh, hardcovers that also go like yeah. boof. That so you get like those bigger panels. Oh my god, and um, bigger fucking Tamara Bonvillain and Dan, uh, Dan Mora panel. So I probably want that yeah. one too. So this is a great time to jump in and read my article. So <laughs> moving on, we're going to switch publishers to Black Mask. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, we have really been enjoying Black Mask work lately, yeah. and uh, I'm very excited. So we're going to talk this week about Destiny New York number two. Um, I want to go ahead and address that we do know that this book is very well into its story um, in graphic novel form. Yeah. And we are tempted. Okay. So tempted. But I'm really enjoying the floppy issues. Mm -hmm. And I want to continue buying them. (laughs) Um, So... We're not going to jump ahead. I might, honestly, if there's a really good Amazon sale. But. <laughs> that, if we get to a fucking turn where I can't wait a month for the next one, or if it's, when yeah. it's done, so I don't think they'll take the, that month break to, to end up doing it since it already is done. But if we get a, a cliffhanger or a, a drop where I just can't wait, then just just might. I just might. Yeah. Um, and as we talk about this, uh, we're going to talk about the creative team, of course. Yes. And uh, written by Pat Shand, illustrated by Manuel Pretano. Lettered by Jim Campbell, and uh, we did want to quickly draw attention to you guys. Know we're really big on Kickstarters. Um, this is not going to be our Kickstarter for the month, as we always do. But I believe both me and Hostway have Kickstarted another one of Pat Shan's uh, projects that we wanted to talk about real, real quick, yep. which is called Smokeweed Seed the Future, Dude, which yes. is which is apparently a spinoff of Destiny New York. Which means, because she actually apparently originally appears in Destiny New York. Yeah. So that means I can't read this comic we get until we get to that part in Destiny New York, which is another reason I want to get the graphic novels. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So. Damn it. But but check out check out that Kickstarter. Uh, it looks awesome. I just it's I cool. want that pin so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Spoke uh, weed read comics. I need it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Destiny New York. Let's focus on this. Yeah. Um. You guys might remember this as the book that caught me off guard. It basically made me an immediate fan of it. It's about a girl who goes to a school for magical kids that are destined to fulfill prophecies. And suddenly she fulfills her prophecy very early in her life. And the whole thing is, what do you do in a world that's already, that tells you you're already done. And that's a really deep, dark kind of like thought. Even if you take the magic out of it, like a lot of us can probably feel that way. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting. And it's uh, obviously a really heavily LGBT friendly book. Yeah. Which is always a plus with us. Um, so, Josue, what did you think of issue two? There's just, again, like so much more to love about this book. I, I Again, it caught me off guard too. It was one I was going to pass last time just because it's like, ah, it's whatever. I'll just, a new number one. But then the cover was very vibrant and I pick it up and it's a black and white gray book. And it's like, holy shit, there's just, there's so much more to this. And now we just get to dive in one of the characters and like, I just, I love the web of, of cast here. Just like mm-hmm. how like the, the friend who goes and visits the love interest. And so it's going through the text and it's like, yo, you're not supposed to be there. There's that other prophecy or that the vision, that Oracle vision that she's like the bad guy or like, I forget what the actual wording was. So that, that was a really cool play. Cause it's like, 
there's no punching, no going through walls. Like, even though there is a bunch of magic stuff that's, that's happening, it seems like mm-hmm. people are powerful. But it's it's really just so down to earth. And we get the diner scene with the exes. And oh my god, how will I've, that play out? I was so outraged, dude. Right? I was like, "Are you?" I got so angry me? on her behalf. I was like, <laughs> "Fucking bitch!" Like, I was just so annoyed. Like, like I, I, I I'm really attached to this character already, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, "Oh God, what's she gonna tell her? Is she gonna try to get her back? Is she gonna tell her I don't really love him?" Or right. no, no, she's just a fucking bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, I was I." Uh, we're not gonna spoil it because it's no, a fucking it's, great moment. It's really that cool. May, it'll emotionally affect you because you'll be like. <laughs> fucking bitch i hate her so um <laughs> and then you I, get I, aspects oh go for it i was just gonna say i love this book i, I love, love this book every too. moment no. of it. it's one of my favorite books going right now i'm, I'm, calling, I'm, I'm saying like, that's so grounded just down to earth but then you get at, at the very least a little vision of her prophecy of the main character's prophecy of what she had to do and actually it looks really cool it actually would be i forget what like i, I can't recall what the actual oracle was or if they even re- mentioned it but it's cool how what it ended up being her just pulling a cancerous spore from this other dimension and based coming back to ours since it's not real here it has no effect just like that's really fucking cool um so it's cool that we get at least like some of the history instead of just being some ambiguous thing that she already did we at least get to just like well you don't have to worry about it anymore it's already done and you know what it was so uh but yeah no i just i just really love this book too and then like then the the fucking cliffhanger just like holy shit that's the path you you chose to take that's again it's so interesting I, i just i like it a lot yeah, definitely. Um, next up, we're going to talk about a publisher that Josue has a bunch of books for and I have none for. But before we do, I do want to quickly mention that uh, I picked up Rick and Morty Worlds Apart 3, which I wasn't able to pick up when it was new. Uh, and it's really, really good. Uh, we just interviewed Tony Fleeks, so yeah. I wanted to make sure I mentioned it too because it's the one with the, the slut dragons. And it's <laughs> It comes to an amazing. Well, I don't. I don't want to use the word climax or anything, but um, with the slut dragons, get it sex. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but it's also he's not laughing at all, man. <laughs> Sell it a little bit, shit. <laughs> like, but it's it's really 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 good. And I will just say this: imagine if you had to watch your grandpa have sex for hours. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's that's a nightmare so no. uh it's really really well done so yeah i wanted to mention that so all right Josue, we're gonna talk about source point press and i want you to start with dead end kids number four dead end kids two, the suburban job number four the finale oh boy it is a very frank Golo book and it, it was just as dark as i was gonna assume or and sad as, as i was gonna assume it was gonna be I don't know if like the Guido dude is kind of a self insert. There's like a really <laughs> so when we last left off is like the kids that stole the money from the gangsters and they kind of got caught at the end um, when they wanted to give the money back, but they didn't want to get just get caught or just admit to it. They're just gonna drop off the money, but being there, it took so long to get inside. The bad guy shows up. And then just to escape becomes this whole clusterfuck of a fight. Um, at the end, like you think the guy is gonna die because like the the one guy and two girls is like the the clique that, that we're following, and at the end you get to, you get the impression like oh shit he's the one that's gonna go like he's had this whole thing like his the whole reason why this kind of started or why it kind of was alluded towards them is because he was the one that took a loan out from the gangster dude to pay for his sister's uh, funeral to which she like because like she, like she served so she at least wanted to give some respects to her um, 
and it just seemed like he was going to take the sacrifice for the for the team, and then the bad guy just was able to get the fucking knife from the, our, our guy. And then the emo girl dives in, and she takes the and she takes the knife, and then you take a black blank page, and it's called Scraps Two, and but there are next chapters, and you turn over, and it's just it becomes like a, a montage of different pictures. The three of them did survive. The there's. Yeah, she got to live like she got to live through the stab wound. Um, get to see like through the times, and the reason why I say it's a self insert because we know he's from like the East Coast, but you see like there's like the the grief book, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a book signing, not really like that he's reading it. So I'm wondering if that's actually him, like in a way. Um, <laughs> I this is more like a more like I'm just gonna put my book in this book, so that'd be pretty cool too. Then you get the then you go through the pictures, and the guy ends up. Following his, under, like, following his sister's footsteps and ends up enlisting and serving. And then you get into, like, letters and then it's like a, uh, an obituary and he didn't come back. And it's like, well, well, there it is. There's a fucking sadness that Frank Ogle was going to get me with. And, but yeah, at least like, there's like a, a, a nice piece at the end with the two friends. Um, one, of them, like, uh, one of them got pregnant and just, um, the emo girl who really was trying to get, like be alone and go her own way and not do anything with her life decided to get into uh, being EMT. So I guess you get, you get that that bit. And then at the end, then epilogue shows up and we're left with Murphy, who's from the first book. Yeah. So yeah, to be continuing Dead and Kids of Volume 3. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Nice. Cool. Let's do Cult of Dracula 2. <laughs> Cult of Dracula number 2. This silly, silly... Oh, wait. Dead and Kids 2 wasn't just Frank Ogle, by the way. Oh yeah, you didn't do it. <laughs> it was also art and color by Nanad Ski. It's every time I, I need to get a right way to say his name for for number three. Uh, Speedy Cannon and lettering by Sean Reinhardt, and yeah, the covers are by Chris Chris Mad. So, nice. Cult of Dracula number two. This one is by Rich Davis. Is a writer creator. Uh, Henry Mar- Henry Martinez is uh, pencils and inks. Colors by Trevor Richardson and letters by Ed Dukeshire. The modern retelling of Bram Stoker's Dracula. The the weird ass dude that we met at the end of the first issue uh, wasn't Dracula, but it's uh the crazy coot the that uh the John Watts plays the doctor guy. He's the one that's running the the cult here uh, and kind of like enlisting people to kind of be able to join. And the priest gets to choose who gets to go in. We get to see the three wives um, and she starts going. Uh, and by that, I mean, we get the Lucy and Arthur, just the art, they aren't meshing because he wants to leave. Lucy wants to stay because she's already had a taste of the good blood. And oh boy, is it the good blood? We get to see a blood ritual, a very, nice. very cool one. Two oh, women. you're talking, you're talking about Rinfield, the dude. Yes, yes. Okay, it's Rinfield. I was like the doctor. I was trying to remember a doctor. Okay, yeah, yeah Rinfield. He's like his like companion dude. Yeah, he, like <laughs> I just called him the John Watts character because okay. John Watts. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we get to, we get more bits more bits with him and how he's running the cult just before we actually get to meet Dracula, but we get this blood ritual where it's just like this person in the center, and would be in charge and I guess is in charge. So is this a gender swap, Dracula? Because I'm all about it now. And at the end, like 
you get Lucy going full on into her, like going into her ritual with him, almost like joining them. And at the end, she thinks that's what she sees her mom, but it's just like this beautiful, like fairy demon. Mm. It's just so dope. So that's where I went in this one. Lucy's still hallucinating, and it's just it's just stupid fun. Like Cold Dragon, nice. it's just it's just great. <laughs> nice. Uh, damn curse children number four. Damn curse children number four just elevates. <laughs> Written by Howard Wong and Josh Stafford, art by Robert Simon Ng, and lettered by Howard Wong. Man, I, 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 in the beginning, it just seemed like they were kind of going in and around it, and then Howard let us know that maybe they're not zombies. We still don't have that answer yet, but that <laughs> putting those two together, I thought they were just. It was just like the outbreak with the kids turning uh, into blood, bloodthirsty, uh, just cannibals. Um, and they're just going to go like, kind of take like the Bethesda way and not, you can do anything you want. You just can't shoot kids. Fuck no. They're letting loose. And the, this issue lets loose. And everything. Oh, so many kids just like start biting, biting the dust. Cause yeah, these <laughs> kids are also brutal as fuck. When we get back to like w- with the adult and, um, the janitor who's who was the veteran lets us know that his only thing is like he just wants to get his daughter like he shouldn't like she shouldn't be turning because she's only a teenager and it's only been like just infants and, and kids and then we have the the one guy who really had like a not good time in the last issue where he had to just like kill off his family and now he's kind of like just super jumpy and he's just like saying like we should get the fuck out of here and he's like no it's just wait they kind of get Get some bits with the news, but the, the power ends up cutting out. The, the daughter ends up making it home, but as soon as she opens the door, jumpy guy that killed his family shoots at her, doesn't kill her, and she uh, ends at the door. <laughs> so we're just like, our veteran guy just punches him square in the face, and like, yo, you're fucking out. Like, you're out of here. It takes like a, a really like cool, just like approach on like, we need to set boundaries on like what this group's gonna be about. And the dude tries to say he's sorry, but it's like, you know, there's no sorry from that. You shot at my daughter. So, no. So, he's like, I'm not a monster. Anyone would have done the same. And as he's stepping out, <laughs> he looks over because he hears a vroom vroom. And you see a car coming at him at full speed. And inside, <laughs> inside is just a bunch of dead kids just going, fuck oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Run his ass over. Um so that's when, like, a veteran with a janitor, that's when he goes back and he's like, oh, fuck no. There's a pickup truck in the in the garage. He goes into his basement, and that's when he comes out in his full uh, veteran gear and just, yeah, it's about to get all guns blazing. And I just love this book so much. <laughs> I love that it's just kids. It's kids we get to take it out, out on. <laughs> and that's so dark, but goddamn it, it just makes for a great book. So that was Damn Chris Children number four. Next one should be the finale. Nice. And then you got one more. And and it's number one. one. So tell me about it. I got one more that surprised me because of how kind of outrageous it is. It's called 20 Fists, and it's by Cat Bauman, and color, uh, colors by Gat Contreras, lettering by DC Hopkins, and written by Frankie White. Oh, the art's by Cat Bauman. That's why I, I follow the colors. I missed, I missed someone. So... <laughs> It's interesting because it's about these two groups, two groups of teens, um, and it's. I just, I guess, I just have to compare it with, like, I guess, like the warriors, these groups of gangs that just at sight, if shit just doesn't go right, or if they just 
scowl at each other the wrong way, a fight's gonna break out. And and that's just how it is. Like and it's not because like they just it's like this is my turf, this is your turf, even though they do reference it that way, but they're not that kind of gang. It's just like they know each other, they know like, of each other as acquaintances, not necessarily as friends from like from gang to gang, but it's just more of a of an understanding or an agreement of of, of just that. If we see each other, we just have to fight. And and the interesting bit is well, I mean it's also it's very LGBT friendly, but again, but while beating the shit out of each other and not really being gay bashing, even though that's kind of what they're doing to each other, um, is that <laughs> it because it, t- it starts taking a Romeo and Julia approach. Uh, a girl from one side it, it has been seeing a girl from the other side, and they're trying to see if they can or not the main character, but the one she's trying to she's trying she's seeing. Their gang is trying to like not put her in, the, in her game, but just being like, "Well, I guess as long as they don't come over here either." So it's kind of like it be, it's going to be drama. It's only going to be three issues, a mini. So I'm just going to see where where these where these kids take it, how far these kids take it. Nice, awesome. Yeah. All right, well that, that takes us out of Source Point and takes us over to Magma Comics. So Sway's got a book from Magma. Uh, and I'm curious about this because I couldn't find a copy of it. Yeah, uh, this is called The Modern Frankenstein. Stories by Paul Cornell, art by Emma Viacelli, color art by Pippa Bowland, and lettering by Simon Bowland. Bowland, Ben Bowland. Um, by the way, huge, huge shout out and an omega thank you to Keith for a long time ago, he did send me this damn band, written by Paul Cornell. And I wasn't going to dive into a new Paul Cornell book without, at the very least, reading that one, because you did right. get it to me a long time ago. It is very fucking good. A uh, huge recommendation to anybody who likes the occult, the 70s era uh, rock music, and just comics. It's, it's just it's really, really fucking good. Yeah, I um, I love that book. It's one of my favorites, and... Uh, I told Josue there's such great visual storytelling in that. Yes, book. Uh, like where not even the dialogue. Like, like I told you, there was one specific page that I won't spoil too much, but um, where a guy and his wife have a conversation without having a conversation. Oh yeah, and it happens twice. There's yeah, one where they and do, and like, there's one where they don't. When he shrugs, mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that broke my heart. Like yeah. I loved it. Like so, um, I actually have a quick story about it. Um. So I went to Phoenix Comic Con. I met Paul Cornell. Uh, I told him how much I loved his run on Captain Britain and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, well, you should talk to Tony." I'm like, "He's Tony." He's like, "Tony Parker, the artist for my other book." He's a, he's like two aisles away. I'm like, "Oh, okay." Hmm. So I went over there and met him, and he's a really nice guy. And I'm like, "He said you guys made a book together." He's like, "Oh yeah, it's called This Damn Band." And he showed it to me, and I'm like, "This is cool." I bought it. That night, I went home, read it, and the next day, I came back to the con, went straight <laughs> to Tony Parker, and was like, "This is incredible!" <laughs> so I was like, "I was here yesterday. This book is great. I absolutely love it." Like, I went on a whole rant with him. So, uh, but yeah, I loved it. I, I knew you'd like it. It's it's oh, it, it's awesome. It's demo- demonic supernatural stuff with classic rock band stuff. Like, if 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 almost famous was retold through a horror uh, lens, you get yes. this damn band, and it's really good. Yeah, and I love the one guy. So again, I don't want to spoil too much because everybody should buy it. But I love that 
they're all tortured by their vice and the one dude just kind of likes beer <laughs> like and they can't they can't really find a vice for the dude like i love that so much and again so. honestly I, I was it scott dickinson should redo almost famous through his way because again it was yeah. in almost famous the drummer who just didn't have a character didn't have a personality was yeah. just there <laughs> so yeah. anyway paul cornell yeah. has a new book uh it's called uh the modern frankenstein and this, I want to believe that it could be uh, just a far a modern descendant uh, of Dr. Victor Frankenstein, because he does go by the name. But in this case, again, it's modern science. So how can we just take this a step forward and bringing it to the now? And so we get to follow, I guess our circuit character is Cleve. I'm trying to draw her actual last name to call her by her doctor's name. Um, she's like, just like an underling that she's like a, she's studying under uh, Frankenstein, and he's going through like this procedure, very kind of far out, but he still gets it. Or at least like he puts another like like understudy on the spot and just like kind of calls him out for just not being ready or being too nervous to be doing surgery. And then that's where he brings in like our main character, and they start having a bond. And he, when we, when she starts kind of following Frankenstein, she, uh, there's a one part where she where he's going down a, a hallway and he goes down a or he goes through the door and the security there and the security is just like being very coy. Like it's cool. Like you wouldn't know anybody that's in there anyway to just send her away. But it's like, it's obvious that she already, she's already met Frankenstein, but it's just like, it's too classified. We come back home with her and she's taking care of her mother. Who's um, suffering of Alzheimer's and she gets a really bad case, brings her to the hospital and she's really struggling to get admitted. And that's when Frankenstein shows up and it's like hey it's cool let me take her takes her to through that room through the hallway and even tells her like hey do you trust me because like, she wasn't about to she's, she wasn't allowed to go in uh, at that point and when she comes back she was basically she was basically cured she comes back fine like all the, all the scans like seem okay like seem better than how she was and if i guess i just says hey but just inject this dose um Injecting this will, like, just, like, the doses on this bottle. And that's all she has today. And on the eighth day, come to me and tell me the results. So, flash forward by then, and it's basically just, like, yeah, no, she's she's cute. She's fine. Like, honestly, like, I've never seen her like this before. And that's when he invites her over to said, said creepy hallway into the door into the super hospital lab where he – this this hospital has been, like, funded, not, I guess, somewhat by sketchy people. And they almost have no idea what to do with all this extra money. So they've been secretly just been doing all these weird experiments. Uh, what they've been doing is still, well, that's what we're kind of getting into. Cause we kind of get left off on this, like all the clipping for this first, uh, for the first uh, issue, but <laughs> it's there. Like she's been, I remember she's been warned uh, to maybe not get as close to him as she's been leading on. Cause it starts leading into this like sweet, bad romance that maybe shouldn't be happening, but I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the modern the modern frankenstein just the first issue in nice and we're going to stick with host for aftershock nuclear family number three <sighs> nuclear family number three this one's by stephanie phillips writer uh, artist is by tony Shastine. colors jd mettler and troy penetary is a letter <sighs> poor family <laughs> poor poor family that came over from the 50s to the 60s after the bombs dropped and now they think they're commie spies 
and they're being tortured in this facility that's underground and they don't have answers, but of course they're not going to believe them. So turn on the cold showers, at least, at least the parents, like the kids are fine. They're not going to like, they haven't mm-hmm. messed them yet. That's kind of like the, the whole chapter is about, but at the beginning, it's just like the, the, or the, also the mom, we don't get to see her being tortured. Not that she was, but it's just the dad just being running through this cold shower. And it sucks because the dude who's interrogating him is a dude who was his best friend back in 1958 and it's 1968 now. And this dude just, at least it's playing off. Like he didn't just play that part or that he, and that he also doesn't know him. So he's kind of like, right. stop messing with me, dude. Like again, turn on the cold shower. Fuck this dude. He's not giving us answers. <laughs> so anyway, this whole thing is about the kids and they're, they're just being held in a room, just being poured out of their mind and they find their way to escape. And it gets known that they get escaped. So they're trying to avoid a, bu- a bunch of like the, the officers who are like in their gas masks and definitely guns. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> uh, they get they get stuck in the lab and they and a new character pops up. I still don't know how I feel about this guy. He's being like the I'm too much of a good guy to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like the Benicio del Toro character that from the movie I don't like. <laughs> um. Anyway, he he starts helping him out, going in and around uh, through the vents and stuff, and they start hiding from the from the through the ventilation shaft when it's pretty much like too much weight for the ventilation shaft and they fall through and they fall through a lab and in this lab there's a bunch of people just like tied up to a bunch uh, just standing up tied up to a bunch of like uh uh beds and they're all very ghoulish like like maybe they've been going through radiation or i don't want to say zombies but they look very ghoulish like like maybe they've been brainwashing or testing on these experiments and maybe these are the people who are in the gas mask suits because nobody really has really revealed themselves. It's just like, Hey, they're over here. Um, but I have a feeling that they're just like kind of working on this like army of just like ghoulish zombies. And mm. yeah, poor, poor family. They really have no idea what the fuck's going on. I mean, like when you're reading it, you're just as lost as they are. And it's just not fair <laughs> when you, when you're innocent, but they're not going to believe that. Cause that's exactly what a spy would say. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I just having, I've been having fun with Nuclear Family. It's, it's, again, the one that's just been getting better every issue. Nice. All right, well, we're going to stick with Josue. Like I said, it is a Josue <laughs> heavy week. Uh, we're going to go switch over to Image. And uh, Image Comics, we have a couple. Josue has a few of his own. Let's start with uh, the book of the year last year, Bitterroot, number 12. Bitterroot, Bitterroot number 12 is amazing. Legacy Part 2. This was by the awesome David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. Other creators, color artist is Sophie Dodson, and lettering by Hassan Otsmane Elau. Yeah. Man, this book was good. Again, like a book where you're just like, you don't, you're just getting everything you're not expecting because you're just like, you think you know the characters, you think you know the badass characters. Like Uncle Ford. Uncle Ford, the one that said, like, screw the potions like doing the all the all the root potions to the janu just just to turn them back just so that they can still hate us for our skin color and they just turn right back into another janu no janu just have to be exercised in the most permanent way possible and that was his whole vendetta and he's just been having such a fucking arc it's 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 awesome to see him in this issue be the compassionate one to go back to the white family from because there was like the one uh clans member that started following him around because he inadvertently ended up saving him when he was there for just like to kill all of them mm-hmm. so he ended up becoming 
his little squire. I don't want to say his white slave because I would just be like a whole turn. But he ended up just like like, like my life is in, in your debt, you know. Uh, but and in the last battle, he ended up dying, and now he's just back at at his family, and they're not all clans members. But in delivering the news, uh, the grandma just turns. And just I mean, she's just angry that her grandson just died. So it's like he has to fight another Chinu, and this family just has to, has to suffer for it all over again. But again, like, coming back to just like his whole character, just like to be there to actually give a shit to just do that, uh, like almost like like again, like he owed it back to him. It was just it was just really cool. Um, and then uh, there's a great scene at the end with Ma Ma Edda. Ma Edda is like it is the the matriarch of the family the head of the house not the leader and she makes a whole speech about it just like she was a head but and this family has never really had a leader they just looked up looked up to her as one because she was the oldest and mm. with that that title but it was never that she was the leader and now it's her turn to actually step down and now that we've had characters also develop and new people come in and learning the ruse she starts going like i'm stepping down i'm choosing who's the next one and she chooses blink and it's just so perfect like she's been having this like this struggling arc as well, where it's just like not knowing her place. But it's just like since she was, since she is a woman, she should be in the kitchen and working out the roots while the men go out and fight the Janu. When she's really much she, the whole her whole life, she was the fighter and a much better fighter over uh, Duncan, the one that the one that went over and came back and ended up being a. Um, and now he is a fighter, but now he's just. He's just not all there. Because in the third story is about um fuck, what's his name? Um I'm calling him Duncan again. But it's about his dad. And now since he came back, it's they haven't seen eye to eye because back at Colin. Sorry, goddamn it, Colin. Everything Colin was the one that was more scared and he should have been the one working out the roots, and then he went over to the other dimension when he came back time isn't the same so he came back older and now he is a fighter but now he just he just came back a lot darker like he really lost a touch of himself and over there he got to bring back his mom and he left his dad he had to leave his dad behind just you know for his own selfish reasons and in his own way he ended up finding his the dad found his own portal back and in doing that it's more like Colin is just being like fuck like don't tell me but it's more like we're not gonna do where you and i are just gonna not, not gonna talk about it so they they've been having this right. strange relationship and so god it's just god it's just like this family is just the drama is just so good and the family like the book is really cool because the day da- again the danger is all still there they, they still fucking deal with monsters adro is still out there building his army so but right now it's like the, the family is just well they're, re- they're reworking out things and it's, it's probably for the best God, I love nice. Bitterroot. Yeah. Uh, what about one of your favorites, Deadly Class? Deadly fucking class is back! <laughs> I had to go back and reread uh, 43 and 44 because this book took almost, like probably by three weeks, almost took a year off break. And that was just too damn long. I was going to say, I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah, I... It's, it's been the same thing with, with Saga for longer, and this book just started taking a, a too long of a hiatus. I was starting to get worried. When in the lettering before, he's he was kind of saying, like, hey, it's wrapping up. I haven't seen anything like since then, but now that the book is back, and like in the direction of, like, since it only showing the cover, and then kind of a time skip, um, 
I think he just had a, a new spark, and this book is going to go on for like a little bit longer. Uh, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think this or the next one are going to be the last ones. Like, so I can hope not, not the next one. But anyway, maybe he, maybe he got annoyed that the show got canceled. Oh, do, I mean, there's, there's a part at the end. Like, once, once the issue's over, um, just like a giant letter of like, "Hey, we're back." And there's mm-hmm. a part where it's just like I jotted down some of the notes and plan on doing a dive into why it took so much time off, what the cancellation of the show did to me, and how excited I was to be coming back. And it's just like I, I know that show fucking hurt him a lot because it was just it was just too damn good comparing it to other comic book adaptation shows. It was just like it was a golden egg, and just why the fuck did I have to be in sci-fi? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Deadly Classic Comic is back, and everything is for the better, because this book is just such a downer. It's such a fucking downer, and it's so bleak with how Marcus just talks and goes through his life and going to his brain. But again, I had to reread... um, I had to reread fucking the last two issues. And so... It was... I was I was happy I was reminded reading those two issues because holy shit I really I remembered how dark it felt I remember how I get how bleak it felt to just like read those last two issues and then be left off at that and and to be left off in a year with with that feeling I only remember what remembered what kind of what that feeling was like so because I like my dark shitty self kind of kind of like Marcus I had to go back and read him just to know why. And holy fuck, I remembered why. I remember why very, very well why those last two issues were just so dark and just some of the best shit in comics you'll ever read. And now we're back on this time skip. And then where we left off on those last two pages, blam, blam, on a black page. Marcus still doesn't tell you what what exactly happened. We're in this time skip. We're in 1991, which is great because it does a good a good reference to Nirvana uh, with the, the title card on like the date with uh, the Nevermind cover. But it's just a marker story and how much he just doubled down since then on just being the piece of shit that he is, being the selfish asshole that he is, and he just hasn't recovered from the events of what happened on that night at king's dominion and that massacre with that cult nothing there's there's references there's like little red panels and references of like him running away and running away from people but it didn't seem like it was a cult again it was we're gonna have to wait on exactly what happened and when he's ready to talk about it but i'm so happy (laughs) like it's this is what that book is about it's it's such a downer fucking book but it makes me so fucking happy and yeah that was deadly class so moving on the next one is the department of truth the department of truth number eight chapter six okay i really like that bit because it's kind of like oh you're really gonna do that you're gonna off the numbers now as like doing a conspiracy (laughs) and it's like i get it because like the last two issues were like doing those retellings or origin stories and now we actually get to come back to Cole, yeah, to Cole, um, and like his and following him around from like the first arc. So this is technically chapter six. So I'll give you that, James Tinian, even though it's just like, <laughs> God, again, the feels <laughs> on this book. Like, why do you make me doubt? <laughs> why do you make me feel like a conspiracy theorist idiot that just like falls for everything just to make it, just to turn 
not the knife, but you just turn the fucking page to just make me believe these stupid conspiracies just a little <laughs> bit. But then this whole book is about taking that away, making sure it stays at that, making sure people don't fall for it or believing it too much. But then it's just like, so what the fuck is this department about? Then is it real or not? If Then what's the point of being this department if it's not true? But And you get that. You get that, and if if almost like like in the other one, where if too many people maybe start to believe it, maybe it does become real. So that's when we start. We meet some we see some reptilian eggs, but again, you just have to read it to believe it. But the real point of this of this book is about meeting. <laughs> it's about meeting this obscure guy, Hawk. That's what it goes by. I'm trying to, he calls out his full name, but it's just it's just a hot guy. And he wears a hat that has like an upside down American flag, and he's just like just kind of an asshole about everything, but it's him who kind of does it. At the very end, like because there's a there's a there's a, a prologue at the beginning where he's young and he's talking to Lee Harvey Oswald when he's old enough to for where people don't really recognize who he is and actually be outside and he has to meet with this guy. Right, and then at the end, Cole Turner, the the main guy, gets to meet with him. And here, now you see that's where he starts going. I, I just have to quote him because it's I don't I don't know how big this gets. Now you see this place around you, the impossible nowhere place. Some rat fucker pulled out from the weirdest corners of the internet. Where they are now is pretty much a bunker that was again almost made up through a conspiracy for my magic trick i'm going to make it disappear because <laughs> again like the the way when we introduce this, to this guy now he just finished he just finished putting down the ice wall that's at the edge of the flat earth <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I can put it. So it's, again, this book is so ridiculous, but it's just like what is real and what is not in this book, and what is James really, really trying to tell here? Because again, it's from the mind of something's killing children and wind, and now he's telling these really fucking dark stories. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's just awesome. I love Department of Truth. Nice. Yeah, but there's like so someone like I could just elaborate on it, but then it's just like again, you just start sounding like a rambling lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to be read in trades, but if you're following it, you just get lost in the madness. Nice. And then you had one more in image book by yourself. Yes. And speaking of getting lost in the madness, wait, I didn't again. I didn't see the full team. I would just said James Tinian right. the fourth because then this time around. Uh, Martin Simmons comes back to do the art since we're back at the Cold Turner story. Letting uh, nice. still bad, to be the car. Um, so yeah, I, just, I need to call out Simmons because the arc is just awesome. It's just really different. So now, nice. the shit that's still super fucking in full madness is Two Moons, number three. Writer is John Arcudi. Artist is Valerio Giangiarando. Colors by Bill Crabtree and lettering by Michael Heisler. Two Moons, the civil story where we follow a native American who's brought up by a white family. So he's out of touch with his, with his uh, native roots and all he's been get going through now is just the dude just gets caught in like the bad time. Like it just gets caught red handed in these situations where it's just hard to explain. 
And again, another one because he's a person of color. Where we last left off, he was being rescued by a renegade of Confederates. Like I was right. And they kind of need him where they he where they need him and he needs them just at least just to make the next sound because they're the ones spotting the horses. And in this case, he's he's still following this this premonition, this oracle, this path. Um, and he's onto this and he meets to the second part of that path. And it was the clue was um, when corpses start going faster than than men, and that's when they start. They get in a blockade of a, in a storm, and the river is just like over flooded, too uh, too strong for like to cross by horse, and then just like a, tra- a trail of just bodies start floating by, and it's like, and that's kind of what what it was. Like those bodies were riding faster down the river than they would be getting down that way. So he steps out and he's been having, he's been saving this like <laughs> magic mushroom uh, that this other person with the weird premonition gave him. And he said, you have to take it in this part and this part of the, of the path. And so when he does, he starts tripping out and out of the water comes this, again, this ghoulish creature with the horse, this big ass dude. It's just super dark. And he starts giving him information to like, like the next part of his path. But yeah. again, it, I was not expecting a horror book out of this. I was not expecting getting into this, which is just Shit. everything. Yeah, it was just everything that I just love. Because um, then this person, this ghoul, gives him a gift. Like I guess a gift to be able to see through. I guess like, I guess through the looking glass, if you will. Um, he um, he can now see who's posing as a demon here. Or before it was just like by unleashing like their inner demon self, like in the first issue where he had to kill his his own sergeant and I was being on the run because he got caught that way. Um, right. Now it's like this like weird three eye like goat <laughs> demon looking thing. So it's like as, that's in their in their group, and then he figures out that two moons figures out that he can see him through it. So he's a fight starts happening, and then at the end it just he gets caught. They, I mean, he's able to defend himself. He gets he gets some of those renegades down he's able to steal a gun but those like he doesn't the guy is able to that's, that's like uh infiltrating the demon th- guy he's still hiding he's still being crazy and everybody's trying to kind of figure out like oh he's being kind of weird but either they start dying or they're he's also just not manifesting so they don't know um and at the end it's just them two it's just a go and the only way the, the only thing that can kill him is what the thing in the river said to him is as an iron blade can, can actually kill him. So bullets weren't working. There was like a, a torch that he tried hitting him with nothing. Um, and at the end he was just like, well, fuck it. I have this Colt and they're made, they're made out of iron. So what if I'm just going to use it in a bludgeoning way to see if that works. And in that moment, that's when the union arrives. That's been looking for him since they killed that one sergeant from the, from the first issue. So it's kind of like, fuck, this two moves just can't catch a fucking break. <laughs> But again, it's just like a story I wasn't expecting to go in this direction. It's like fuck, it just it just keeps elevating. Really good. Nice. All right. Well, I'm gonna give Josue a moment to catch his breath. He's been talking a while. <laughs> uh, we have no, some image. Comics. <laughs> we do have some shared image books, but I'll take the lead real quick. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Shadecraft number two. Yes. Um. So. This one I'm I'm excited to talk about because the first issue I felt like we didn't get a lot. We liked what we got, but we didn't get a lot. Yeah, and I feel like it really built well in this one. So, uh, written by Joe Henderson, 
uh, art by Lee Garbett, color by Antonio Fabella, and letter by Simon Bolin. Um, so this is the one about the young girl who uh, her brother is in a coma, and then she's suddenly attacked by a bunch of shadows, and her own shadow defends her, and we find out that her shadow is actually her brother. Um, and we get we get a lot more building in this one. I think it's really cool how we get an idea, more of an idea of what's going on. Um, there's something larger than herself going on, which is cool. Yeah. And we get a lot more development with the brother, a lot more interaction between the two of them where he's following her around. We find out that only she can hear him when he talks. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can manipulate shadows, which is interesting. Um, so that was really cool. She also gets a new guidance counselor who's trying to help her. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties into what's going to happen next. Um, I really enjoyed this issue. I think this is, um, I think this is a very, I don't want to say a very big improvement because the, there's nothing wrong with the first one. No, we just didn't get enough of it. Yes, but this this is enough to hook me. I really really enjoyed this. I um, it gave me like alienated vibes maybe yeah. a little bit of finger guns things like that stuff we love so i uh, really really enjoyed it um and i'm excited to see where it goes and obviously there seems to be some kind of a conspiracy going on of oh, some I know. Sort. yeah that, that little hook with the with the new character was <laughs> nice to be like wait how big how much bigger is this getting yeah no exactly. i love I, I love this book because again like the, i love the first issue a lot like you're right there wasn't enough we wanted more out of it but the first issue is still captivated me like the way radiant black should have in the at least for me in the beginning mm-hmm. and now diving into this one getting exploring like the family a little bit more it's like yes i just i don't know what it is that i i don't know exactly what it is that i love about this book i just know that i'm just like i genuinely just love this book yeah it, it, it could great. be her I, I i love her as a character I love shadow, like shadow play. So like could, could be the powers I'm just gravitated towards. And then just like, yeah, like the way it's just like the interactions with the people, it's just like, it's just my kind of book. So I just, I just love it. Yeah. It's great. Um, and I should mention, uh, I did get radiant black three. Yes. Um, and Josue wanted me to want to know my review of it. Yeah. That's exactly what it's like being a writer. Really? <laughs> that's what you're asking. <laughs> like, it's just like, writing and then self-loathing and starting over <laughs> that's basically the process of being a writer so yeah and eventually you accomplish something by just being like i've just got to finish it yeah like i don't care i'm just gonna finish it even if it sucks i'm gonna finish it so all right let's move it was, on it was a very oh, different issue yeah, sorry because it was a very different issue it wasn't like the next piece to like the big like it's own superhero aspect it felt like a very grounded spidey issue where like the only superhero thing he did was just carry the family over but the whole thing was about like his whole writer's block and it's like i wanted to pick your brain at that at that part because that was a cool yeah. third issue you know it was actually an, an interesting take yeah that's pretty much it and uh it what it reinforces him being the spider-man you know what i mean we talked about the young the young hero and uh he very much is that for image so that's yes. really cool so uh next up crossover Number six. Oh, fine. Oh, dude, we're gonna get into this now. Into the first arc now. Okay. Uh, we got Donny Cates writing, Jeff Shaw drawing, D kind of coloring, John J Hill lettering and designing. Um, we just gonna go straight into let's it. Let's get let's uh, do it. <laughs> okay, so our heroes are trying to get inside the bubble. They finally do. They're finally able to make it inside and. We get a killer two-page spread 
Dude, for a second, I thought they weren't going to show it. I thought it was going to be the blurred shot with Otto's eyes and cut yeah. to going through the, all the clusterfuck. I was like, I didn't want to turn the page. It's like, I'll just make it out right now and see what that looks like. Fucking A, so, dude. So here's the thing. I spoiled this for myself a little bit. Okay. Because I went back to the credit page because I was trying to take notes before okay. I actually read them. And then it's down at the bottom. It says, thank you for letting us play with your toys. And oh. I'm looking at all these and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and then so basically guys we have a two page spread of a giant battle um and we actually start seeing some identifiable heroes um so, so like front and center it's witchblade versus savage dragon which is awesome um <laughs> uh, directly below them that's tony chu from chu by the way oh no shit that's cool yeah I and then we get from the top right because I, I didn't see i didn't even see the credits but is that the darkness which one the dude with like the with the mask and like the oh the, the left oh the, it's on, on the, left, the yeah. left yeah yeah that's darkness yeah nice and then battle pope over there on the right and below him um, is that OG Grifter below battle pope yeah no that's not Grifter okay I thought, I thought they would um, use the OG guy that is because he's got the kind of like the red mask and the eyes like was similar I was like ah oh, fuck it and the guns. I actually don't know. It's going to be a Rob Lafo correction or creation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the because uh, Bloodstrike. No, Bloodstrike was one of the Claude ones. Prophet, maybe. I can't remember all of the Rob Lafo characters from Image Early Image blend together for me to be honest. Um, but also we get um, the- Incorruptible. Oh, max yeah. damage, like max damage and Jail Bait are both there, which is great. The little uh, down girl the from bottom. I fucking hate Fairyland. Yes, which yes. is a great book, by the way. Uh, just, just a lot of really cool uh, cameos. It took so. me a second to understand the black and white characters in the bottom. It's like, oh shit, those are just Walking Dead zombies. Yeah, that's all it is. I fucking yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's so much color, so vibrant, like the pixelated thing that they do for comics, and then just black and white people in and around. They're just, they're just the zombies. I love it. Yeah, and then we turn the page, and we immediately get Colonel Weird from Black Hammer. A tomahawk. Yeah, so great. Uh, just a lot of extra characters. And the and then best we get, one, sorry, the, the bottom of that page is Lucifer from Wick David. It's like, yes! Yeah, Lucy's great. That's not the best one. You know it's not the best one. <sighs> she she was it, a prize for me. But I do love Lucy. So they run into a bunch of zombies. And who shows up to save them? But Hit Girl. Fucking Hit Girl. <laughs> so I'd like to point out that Mark Millar and Kickass, that was actually published through Marvel. So this is our first actual Marvel character. That's true. Because because it was Icon, I think, was yep. the publisher. The f- yeah. So yeah, and, it's and our now, first now, confirmed Marvel character. Now for sure it's Millar World or whatever uh, off of yeah, off of whatever it is. But no, yeah. for sure but technicality. It, but <laughs> technicalities. This is for sure the first Marvel character. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they manage to get the little girl to the portal, and they send her through. And we're like, aw. And then there's a big fight, and they're all injured, and Otto is severely injured. And Ellie's down, and Snively Little Shit Kid, uh, whose name I never remember. Who cares? um, (laughs) He he witnesses Otto die. Pretty sure he dies. But who who fucking knows in a Donny Cates book? Um, And like... Dude, like they, he's able to save Ellie. So now it's just him and Ellie, 
And she goes, they're in a, they're in a hotel and she's like washing herself off. And she reveals that she's actually one of the invaders as well. She's got the dots and she has makeup. She had makeup covering it basically. Also, she was wearing a hair and she's wearing an invincible shirt, which is great. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a great twist. I, I, I honestly, I had a brief thing where I thought, what if she's one of them and just isn't? I, I was thinking she just didn't have dots. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, but, it started, started clicking yeah. when she was like just really good at covering the makeup on the little girl. Or yeah. it's like it was, it's not just applying makeup because you know how to play makeup. But it's just like you've been mm-hmm. living it. Like, God. And when Valifax worked for her. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And and not him, right? Because he, he yep. quick picked it up, but he didn't get he didn't get the powers, like as you put it. So yeah. oh, this fucking book is awesome. Like this one really so delivered with like the characters. We've been we've been anticipating and expecting the big ones, the main ones, but this has been just as good, if not better, to just really call out some of the old people that don't really all the old characters or side characters that don't get some of the appreciation that they deserve. It's it's the image characters. Yeah. It's everybody that image owns basically, so which is cool. They can do that kind of stuff, you know? Like, yeah. and honestly, anyone who went into this expecting to see Wolverine fighting Superman, y- you don't understand what this book is. That's not the purpose of it. Like, yeah. uh, we're, they're going to take full advantage of the characters they can, but why in the world would Marvel allow that? You know, why would DC <laughs> allow that? That doesn't make sense. But so. then to, to use, like, but actual actual beloved characters, like the, the guy from Black Hammer, like, what yeah. a call out. <laughs> I was a big Savage Dragon fan earlier on. I loved mm. Witchblade. Like, uh, this was cool. And obviously, Chu. I love Chu. So, seeing Tony Chu, who is just a cop for the record. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing <laughs> in that point. Although, his power is, of course, if he eats something, he can see the history of it. And I would love to know if he ate a bit of a zombie. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, excellent, excellent book. So, and then the let's. Sorry, there's so one more about this whole cl- crossover mind fog is issue seven. The, the 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 preview just keep turning the pages oh yeah yeah the um written the by Zarsky thing. yeah written by chip zarsky he's taking over crossover we'll see yeah oh god damn i love phil hester right <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah it's great all right so we're gonna move on to a new number one cool from image top cow uh and that is helm great castle number one uh, created by Henry Baraja and Brian L- v- Valenza. Henry does the story. Brian does the coloring um, and the art- artistry. Uh, Ramat does the penciling uh, and G- Gabriella does the letter art- lettering. Um, Gal- Gabriella Downey. Why well, I didn't I didn't say the last name. It's my bad. Let me back up. <laughs> Penciler Ramat M. Hendoko and letterer Gabriella Downey. There we go. Yeah. Um, so this is a fantasy story, and I want to straight up say one of my favorite things is there's a five fifth edition D and D compatible adventure in the back of this. Yeah, that you can play through, which is fucking awesome. Which is so, really cool because to play as some of these characters, it's the worth the price of admission by itself. So, <laughs> but beyond that, it's a really great comic too. Yeah, so it's very much a fantasy book about an adventuring party, and I really like. Uh, I like all the characters basically. And I know Liz is going to absolutely adore this. Uh, basically. Oh, I would love her take. Yeah. They're, they're all fighting. And uh, one of their partners is, uh, how ha- is an orc who is critically injured while delivering a dragon child. And so they're like, well, let's go rescue the dragon child and avenge our friend. 
Eighth we need to go south. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, so like, we need to go south. We'll go south. Okay, cool. So they go south, and they wander into a land called Mexica, yeah. but is very clearly pre-colonial Mexico. And they keep talking about how they've gone further south than they've ever been and stuff like that. I'm like, ooh. And then we get all these Aztec references and Aztec gods and actual Aztec like, names. Like I believe it's New Tenochtitlan, Mexico. Yeah, like, yeah. It has all the ch. Like like again, like like my partner's name, Sochi. It is with the C H I T L at the end, but it you don't pronounce the the T, and it's so many authentic Aztec names, and it's like there's a lot to appreciate here. Yeah. So the great thing about this is it literally is traditional fantasy group with a dwarf and an elf and shit <laughs> running into South American Aztecs. Yeah. And that's literally the concept behind it, and it doesn't have to be more complicated than that, and it's absolutely awesome. Um. I'm really excited to see what it is. I think they're going to... Uh, obviously, it, it teases that they're going to have to team up with some of the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see a little bit of like stuff like that. I just really clear... I'm, I just It's just cool. It's just really cool. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's, an, it's an issue one, so obviously there's setup. You know, that's yeah. going to be a big part of it. But I thought it was really, really done very well. So, How many books have we had now that they include some sort of tabletop or role-playing aspect information to actually do it? It's awesome. Several. Yes, yeah, several. It's awesome. <laughs> Definitely. So, all right. Now we're moving on to Vault Comic Books. And uh, we have two books for Vault. I want Josue to start with Shadow Service number seven. Sweet. Shadow Service, Shadow Service number seven, written by Kevon Scott. Our uh, artist is Corin Howell. Coloring is Triana Farrell. And lettering by Andworld Design. So this one we finally come back to Gina, who was the supposed not traitor. She was kind of like convinced or manipulated into going to the other side when she was working already in uh, with MI six six six. And now we get kind of a little bit of backstory with her, uh, stuff from like ten years ago, kind of moving on to like the present and how we started developing her witch powers and how she got to meet um, her companion at one point, the the little rat. And how the the rat was the one kind of like showing her how to use the wish powers, mm-hmm. but again, like the drawback in this world is just it's just really cool on how like how how it makes you believe why the cliche the cliche for witches is like the crazy old coo the crazy old hag in in that in that hut. It's because in this world, doing witchcraft, doing spells causes you to, causes you to have chronic insomnia, and when you just do it over and over again, it's just like. It makes it makes you go kind of crazy when you just can't take a rest. When all you want to do is just close your eyes and just for like two hours, and you just can't. So I, I, yeah. I really fucking like that part. Um, so following her to the present is just kind of like she's been working with them, and now kind of like in a way trying to infiltrate their side while still trying to like do their bidding, and they make it to this club, but. As part of like her backstory, at one point she wasn't getting enough answers, so the the critter, the the rat, kind of gives her like the idea where like if there was another one, but with your powers that you can, you can probably ask. 
so she goes to the last witch and resurrects her and it does not go well because <laughs> she couldn't control it and yeah she brought her back but the spell was just again too powerful so it started waking up everybody else and then she ends up just like doing a, a badass spell which just like burns up everybody it's just really fucking dope um and again big spell holy shit there's a few leftovers and then she gets like a partner but anyway now they're infiltrating this club and in it like they, they put they throw on these contacts where like to activate like you blink to activate them and with them you can see who's really playing like a person and who's mm-hmm. like a demon instead that's horrifying yeah it's just like a, it's a very dark club uh but so they're there to kind of kill off a lady instead of getting information um but the thing we end up finding out is that the real traitor wasn't Gina, but instead how they kept getting found out was the rat Edwin. But check this out, dude, the thing running the club again, this book is oh, that's crazy. The book is really cool. Cause it's very British, very British setting. Again, like MI six, 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 but God damn, like this is a, the art just excels with some of the best, like monster designs. Like, like, I walk with monsters, like it's creepy in its own way, but we don't never get to see like the actual monsters, like or it's like the wolf, um, or stuff gets distorted, like in Luna, just to make it creepier, or also like in Department of Truth. But in this one, it's just like it's still very real, so you get to see like, like the way Guillermo thought of treats his. I was monsters. gonna say like Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, the way yeah. those monsters get treated, and it's like these monsters just have the coolest designs. Like it's just like. Again, like I'm looking at it now, and it's like I'm surprised that's only seven issues in. I feel like it's going on for like a lot longer, um, mm. but just because I just like recall, like every issue just has such a cool monster. Um, so yeah, I, I, I another one that I just love, Shadow Service, Thy Vault. Nice. And our other vault book this week is Witchblood number two. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we're pretty excited to get this one. Uh, created by Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Sterl, colored by Gab Contreras, and lettered by Jim Campbell. Uh, so part two of our favorite uh, motorcycle driving witch. Yes. Um, she's recovering from her previous encounter with the vampire group. The vampire biker gang, that is. <laughs> and she finds her way to a- an herbalist yes. <laughs> friend of hers. This thing was, who helps her recover. This thing was too fucking cute. The wazoo. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the my heart, dude. Like, was the, the little mandrakes. Yeah. <laughs> so... um basically she she's able to recover meanwhile the um the vampire biker gang they're on the hunt and they're out and then there's a great moment where they play chattahoochee by alan jackson dude what did you think of that scene i loved it like of course i did i love that song did you get to play the song with it i could sing the song (laughs) 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 like i know that song alan jackson was like my mother's favorite country singer. So oh, I nice. Them, so, uh, yeah. that can, I can imagine how this actually played out and since you actually, it's ingrained in there. But if you, oh, yeah. I play the song with it and if you actually just take your time and play out the scene and take your time to like the three minute song, holy shit, does it actually paint out the scene? It's, it's really cool. This is like his go-to. Like, I, I want to do my speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love the fact that she, after she recovered, uh, the she basically is she got recovered for free yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then the girl actually re- fixed her motorcycle for her too and she's like oh rambling rose and she's so happy and she's like all right you're gonna help us take out these members she's like fuck no it's not my problem <laughs> basically, if, I to, like, if i get to get back to not giving a shit again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so she goes to leave 
But of course, the ticker repaired her bike, put a Gaius quest on it. <laughs> so now it has to be committed to solving the problem. So she stuck with it. Love so. it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, it's really great. Uh, she shows up in time to see them take out a, a witch. Yeah. And it's someone that she should not have been able to take care of that quickly. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a major threat. And uh, yeah, it's really cool and interesting. I really liked it. It was a great second issue. Yeah, no, I, I I got the one, the first two issues in advance uh, for, from Adrian. So I was like, good to have this under my hands again. So I was like making it real again. It's really cool. So <laughs> the next one for sure now would be a for, uh, for sure surprise. But again, one that I, a book I for sure, damn for sure love. Nice. Thank you, Matthew. Next, <laughs> next up, we're going to switch over to our big two. Big and two we'll start time. with... We'll start with the distinguished competitor itself, DC. Um, I have several DC books, which is a fucking weird thing for me to say. Um, not in future state. Uh, but I'm going to pick them up real quick. Josue has two with me, so yes. we'll talk about those as well. Um, but I did want to quickly mention I was able to get a second printing of Nightwing 78. Oh, dude. So you know now why I couldn't talk about that letter. Yeah, it was fucking sad. I was not um, gonna ruin any wording, any like. Let me paraphrase this. I was not gonna ruin that experience for you. My question is, why does DC know how to write Alfred after he's killed? Yeah, yeah. Between between the Jason Todd story and this one, I'm like, you guys learned how to write him finally. <laughs> so yeah. Also, when I was telling Liz about it, I, I, it was before I knew why Alfred had money. Mm-hmm. And me and Liz are like, that's really stupid. He was a butler, and then. They explain it, and yeah, that makes sense. I like it. So, yeah. so I'm going to give a quick shout out. I absolutely love it. It's, it's such a good book. Yes, so it it's is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And more Barbara, the better. <laughs> but there's a problem with that, which we'll talk about. Ooh, in a bit. that's right. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> we'll start with Detective Comics 1035, though. Cool. Uh, so, Detective Comics uh, DC. Why do you always put your credits in some weird fucking place? Um, Okay. Detective Comics 1035. I know it's written by uh, Mariko Tamaki. There we go. Uh, drawn by Dan Mora. Letter, or colored by Jordi Belair and lettered by Aditya Bidikar. Uh So you might remember me talking about the last one of these where Bruce had to move into like these fancy townhouses with all the other rich people. Yeah. And then suddenly one of them's kidnapped and now shit's real for the rich people. <laughs> um, oh no! <laughs> they find her body. Oops. She's killed. My bad. In the sewer. Oh. Okay. And and Bruce finds it first and is like trying to like investigate and then a bunch of cops show up. He tries to, or he he tries to run away to get away, you know, not to, you know, have a conflict. But they see him and they open fire Ooh. and one of the bullets bounces off of him ricochets and hits a cop. Ooh. Wait, bounces yeah. off what? Who's in armor? Uh it's it's like his shoulder. Oh, okay. It bounces off it bounces like twice. It's crazy looking. So, um, but it, it catches a cop in the shoulder. So, technically, a cop is injured in this incident. So, Batman gets the hell out. Um, you find out that the girl that died, her family is one of the like biggest, most influential uh, fa- families in the city. Mm-hmm. So, which it seems like everybody in Batman is, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not faulting it. It's cool. Yeah, Gotham so. suffers. Like, how many influential, influential people can there be? <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically they, they, they find her dead body and everything's going to hell. And then suddenly there's like a rush to cement up like 
the area she was found in. So it basically eradicates any evidence Batman can find. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going along the lines of what we talked about before, where the mayor is trying to justify bringing in the magistrate from future state. Mm -hmm. And so she dies and Batman's not even able to investigate it. And suddenly all the evidence is gone. Oh, so oh, yeah, yeah, becoming one of those things. So, but the best part is the girl who dies. Last page, Batman is walking alone at night, and he looks over, and underneath the street light is the girl who died. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. looking very much like a zombie. <laughs> and and then the title of the next next uh, chapter is "What Died Didn't Stay Dead." <laughs> okay. So yeah. There's also a backup story in the back for Huntress, which is really, really, really good. Oh, nice. Um, that I quite enjoyed. Uh, the only difference here is Clayton Henry does the art. Mariko Tamaki still does the writing, coloring, lettering. It's all the same. So, I cool. uh, love it. I'm really liking Mariko on Detective Comics. She makes me give a shit about Batman. <laughs> well, that's so, good. That's good. Yeah. Next up, uh, speaking of someone who makes me give a shit about something I normally wouldn't care about, Harley Quinn number two. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stephanie Phillips writing it wonderfully I should oh it was that one yeah because I thought there's two right there's two audio books now I there might be but I'm only getting this one um Riley Rossmo's drawing it uh Ivan Placencia is doing the coloring and Darren Bennett doing the lettering it's this one this art style oh okay cool it is so just Stephanie okay cool yeah so this is the one where she wants to use her ability or her training as a psychiatrist to to um basically redeem all the clowns the clown gangsters that are left over from joker war which i am so sick of saying joker war um it's okay so um basically yeah she's working with the one clown and he's he's really adorable he's so simple and innocent and it's really sad and they also um this is when they announced that dr hugo strange is brought in because he's also a psychiatrist to try to work with the clowns um and she's like why should i bother because he's like you know they're putting the money behind him i don't have any money you know all this stuff and then you find out you see him um someone brought before dr hugo strange he's like i'm not a clown he's like i had a disagreement with my neighbor and he called and told you guys that i was a clown but i'm not a clown huh. and he's like he's like that's he basically he basically says that's what a clown would say yeah that's what a witch would <laughs> so, say <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> So he puts him through whatever the treatment is, and it's really dark. Um, but Harley basically hangs out with her new sidekick, this dude, and it's absolutely great. And it's a lot of fun. Um, it is building towards a Hugo Strange and Harley Quinn uh, confrontation, which I will be down with. Hmm. I love that. Nice. So. Very good. Continuing to make me care about Harley Quinn. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> um, moving on. I got a number one. Ooh. And it's a weird one. And I'm excited. It's Ruby slash Justice League nice. number one. So, for those who don't know, <laughs> Ruby is a American animated show uh, that is made with video game uh, generated uh, animation. Um, so, it's really cool. It's really action filled. If you're a fan of really uh, like teen action anime like you're by heroes and stuff like that it might be something you really like the action is really intricate and awesome so um this takes place it has to be during the first season or not the first maybe the second season because it's a character that loses their arms mm. and they have their arms so <laughs> um 
but basically, in the world of Ruby, which is the kingdom of Vale, um, people have what we call a semblance, which is powers. But they're never, like, outright superpowers like we have. Like, they are, but they're not, like, you know, no one's Superman, basically. Yeah. Um, so, like, Ruby can, like, teleport around and stuff. And, like, uh, it, it's just little stuff like that. So, uh, Ruby and her sister uh, are a gang. Are, um, they go home for the, the summer, I'm supposing, some kind of vacation. And they're helping their father harvest the crops and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, he basically, he's like, I don't need that much help. I've had help since you've been away. Meet my new farmhand, Clark. He's just been super. And I already like this Superman way more than I like any other Superman. <laughs> so, and he's like, hey guys, and they're all meeting him and stuff. And Ruby's like embarrassed around him. And Yang is just basically like, you want to bang him, don't you? Basically, <laughs> like, so she's like, um, he's like, oh wow, you guys are trained to be huntresses, which is like the warriors of this world. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's crazy that you, you know, so impressive that you guys are doing that. And then Yang is like, maybe after work day's done, Ruby can show you some of her best moves. Eh? Eh? <laughs> And so it just keeps it keeps going like that, and he's oblivious to it. So they find out about his semblance, which is as long as he is in the light of the sun, he has certain abilities. But only when he's in the sun, he can't charge for night. Oh, I, oh, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's so a, he's a cool flaw. Yeah. So he's like strong, and he's flying around, which actually would be a really cool thing to do to the real Superman. <laughs> so maybe give him a dark version of himself that only works at night. Oh, just saying. <laughs> so, um, and then, uh, yeah, basically they're just hanging out, having fun. Yang keeps basically hinting that Ruby likes him. Also, um, there is a very strong, uh, woman slash woman ship in the show with Yang. And the writer of this hints at that. And I'm very, very happy about nice. that because, like she's very like they're all just talking and she's just like i wonder what blake would think of this which is the girl she shipped with and just out of nowhere who's not even there so we're all kind of like yeah um but basically they team up to fight a monster and they're like wow you're really useful clark and then they cut away to um to blake the one that they mentioned she's a her her race are called faunus and they're like half animal Okay. So she's like she's like half cat girl, and um, she sees a woman floating in the air who gets attacked by like an evil uh, sea monster, and she ends up saving her. And the woman's like in a white robe, and she's just like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll take care of this." She's like, "No, no, don't worry about it. I'll take care of this one." And bust out her outfit. Ooh, ah, uh, yeah, that's so, cool one too. Yeah. I like that they tinified all of them, so yeah. Um, but basically, she's able to use her rope to calm the, the monster, so I think that's part of her powers. So. But yeah, they're slowly across the universe of Ruby, introducing different members of the Justice League, and I think they're all going to have to come together in the end, which would be really cool. That's actually really cool. There's one main character left they haven't uh, brought in for Ruby, and it's Weiss, which is my favorite character. And I'm curious who she's going to be with, because this is the Batman, if you see him up top there. Yeah. But there's also Jade, so. Huh, okay. Yeah, so I'm curious, but I'm really enjoying it. If you're a fan of Ruby, you'll really, really like it. Um, If you're a fan of Justice League, give it a chance. It's great. So, All right, that takes us to the two that we share, Josue. 
obviously we saved number ones for last. So we're going to start with Teen Titans Academy number two. <laughs> All right. Um, I will say that. Let me pull it up here again. Why are the credits in weird places in DC books? Um, here we go. Uh, written by Tim Sheridan, penciled by Rafa Sandoval, inked by Jordi Tarragona, colored by Alejandro Sanchez, and letters by Rob Lay. Um, when we posted our last review of the first issue, we got a very nice response from, I believe it was Tim Sheridan, yeah. uh, mentioning that uh, he appreciated the review and that we're going to find out a lot more about one of our favorite characters, Alinta. And boy, did we. Oh, man. <laughs> so I, I really, really like this character. Uh, she she wears running blades in that she you know, is missing the lower half of her legs, but she's a speedster, which is cool as shit. That's a really um, cool concept of a character. I, I, I really like Alinta in this, in this issue. I really like a lot of this character. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we're building towards her. And then we also have Matt, who is creeping me the fuck out. <laughs> so, <sighs> it's kind of a character. Yeah. yeah. But basically, either. we're dealing with the the fallout of the Red X mask being, mask being stolen. Mm-hmm. And Nightwing being like, I don't know what to do about it. So then we see Nightwing, and he's getting out of bed with Starfire. Yep. Richard fucking Grayson. <laughs> don't you use two women that I like more than you, please. Because that would really piss me off. <laughs> like, like, just stick with Starfire. Leave Barbara alone. She's better than you. She yeah, she really is. So, so, yeah, Starfire's fine. You guys are great together. I've always shipped the two of you. Perfect. Done. So, but, and they actually mentioned it in the book, thank God. Yeah. And the fact that Starfire is intimidated by Barbara Gordon is bullshit <laughs> like like no I'm, I'm kidding uh i could see where she'd be intimidated because like rick or rick god i did the dc thing and called him rick grayson <laughs> you remember that when they changed his name to rick grayson briefly yeah worth anyways um <laughs> no i could see because they came from the same area they neither of them really have powers i could see it being like starfire is the other yeah. so i like that even though she's a princess a gorgeous beautiful princess she can be intimidated by, you know, his old school friend who he still has feelings for and is very pretty in a very human way. You know what I mean? Like, so it is interesting him torn between those two worlds, you know. Um, I really love the page where it's Cyborg and uh, Nightwing talking oh, totally. and, and just shit's going on in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really, really enjoyed that. And then we run into Red X uh, downloading something from the computer. There's a whole chase scene that was really cool. And Alinta actually ends up helping, which is really dope. And then um, they're basically talking about what they're going to do with the kids. What are they going to tell them and stuff? And um, we get more hints of obviously the outside forces that are going on. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, we get an appearance by the Suicide Squad. Yep. And uh, I'm very curious to see where this is going to go and how this ties into Red X and everything. So I know. <laughs> They better not hurt Alinta because I will be furious. That's all I'll stay. So, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, we also know that Alinta is a uh, Aboriginal Australian, I believe. Oh, cool. Is what I gathered. So, uh, <laughs> she's the least from down under, as they say. So, <laughs> I um, did like uh, John just being like, "That was just too long. You're gonna hit the," and that's when Alinta is able to catch him. Yeah, it just like would be kind of like dick to just be like, yep, I'll use the fucking hose, but it's like not really, <laughs> not not being that much Batman to measure out, perfectly measuring out the rope for it. Yeah. Don't think about it. Just go. Let's go. So, 
really enjoying it. I'm very excited. Uh, I love the approach we're getting of basically meeting two students a week. Yeah. Which I'm really appreciating. That's basically what Strange Academy is doing, too. Mm-hmm. And we, we compare the two a lot, but I'll be honest, it's because we like both of them. Oh, totally. Like, and they're both great. So, yeah, um, they're really good mirrors of each other. And I'm really enjoying both. I'm, I'm here for the long run for both of them. Oh, so. absolutely. So next up. Love this book. Robin number one. <laughs> uh, I'm a big Damian Wayne fan. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, written by Joshua Williamson. Drawn by Gleb Milkanoff. Or Melnikoff, excuse me. Um, lettered by Troy Pateri. And uh, that's it. Um, so basically we got Damien earning a... Basically in a fight, in an underground fight ring, basically. Mm-hmm. And he goes face-to-face with um, King Snake, who is actually the father of Bane, by the way. Yeah. And basically King Snake talks a bunch of shit, and then Damien drops him on one shot. Um, and Damien wins, and you find out he was trying to earn a little coin to enter a fighting tournament. And he does. And he's sent over there. Also, Josue, I read this and knew you'd love it if you read it. In the middle of it, he's just randomly reading a manga. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like a page of the manga, and he's like, like, I love the, he's like talking to it. It's like, come on, Hana, you must have a plan. (laughs) For a second, I wish they would have done it in reading it manga style. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I just love it. So they end up going, and also someone's talking to him at this point off screen, and it looks an awfully familiar mustache. And then you find out it's Damien remembering Alfred and arguing with the memory of Alfred, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how the Bat family fell apart when Alfred died. Oh, yeah. Like, like everybody's going their own way and stuff, so he was the one that kind of kept them together, so... Uh, so basically he's on the boat and he, you know, he's on his way to the island and he gets to the island and we start to see people we recognize. Ravager's there, <laughs> aka Rose, who I love. Um, and then someone in Deathstroke's armor names himself Respawn. <laughs> Lame. Nice copyright <laughs> infringement. <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we see Connor Hawk again, just off to the side being hinted at. Mm-hmm. And then basically they're like, okay, well, the tournament's going to begin. So we're going to go eat some food. And then Damien's like, all right, enough of this shit. Who's first? (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, I'll fight someone. And they're like, all right, well, let's just get this going, I guess. And he does the whole like extended intro, you know, son of the bats. And, you know, this is great. And up walks Flatline. And they fight. And Flatline reveals that she. Um, she absorbs the defeats of the greatest fighters to ever die. And so she learns from them, which is kind of cool. I like the concept. Mm-hmm. So, And then she punches a hole in Damien's chest and removes his heart. Yeah. What the fuck? Now, now here's the thing. It's called Lazarus Island. Uh, that's true. Yeah, so, that's true. So I'm, obviously, they're not killing Damien. That is the number one. Like I know, that. but it was just like, wow, what a first issue to end on. But yeah, it's great. I can't wait. If we get a full suit. on tournament. Oh, his suit? Like I really like the design of it. It's not just like the classic Robin, like mm-hmm. colorful one. Like the only colorful thing is like the yellow on the inside of the cape. But it's more of a yeah. hood. Like I love I love it's like a hood cape. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um 
But yeah, if we get a full on tournament with this, I'll love it. That'll be great. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So that's my DC books for the week. Now we're going to switch over to Marvel. Uh, Hostway has one solo Marvel, which is Miles Morales. Tell us about it. Miles Morales, Spider Man, big issue, number 25, Legacy 265. Saladin Ahmed uh, as a writer, uh, Carmen Carnero as an artist, David Curiel, colorist, and Corey Petit as the letter. Okay, a lot of stuff has been laid out, a lot of stuff has been happening. Let's get into like, the next big arc for Miles, because a, a lot of drama happened. So much stuff that has been able to come out, but of course they save it for the big arc so it can be more drama. Like Yankee showing up uh, and just being like, hey, we need to talk. <laughs> and Miles be like, yeah, we need to talk because shit's happening. Uh, basically, there's been um, there's another Miles copycat running around doing bad stuff like kidnapping a scientist. Uh, and then, But this isn't the stuff that Yankee wanted to talk about. <laughs> so they go upstairs to the room to kind of start kind of prepping for this mission. He's going to, because Miles wants to go out and investigate see what's going on because they're really tarnishing his name. Right. And Genki starts to be like the man on the computer and kind of forgetting his phone behind him. He gets a message from Barbara. And he's like, hey, you got a message from her because Miles picks up the phone. That's a lot of emoji kisses. And that's what <laughs> Genki was like, yeah, so I don't want to talk about. But they had the whole symbiote dragon thing happen when he really wasn't going to say it then, like let him know then, but then King of Black happened. And of course shit happened. Uh, and that's when he tells him like, yeah, Barbara and I are kind of together now. <laughs> and then Miles just kind of like, that's loose. He puts his hand on, on, like, on Genki, like holds him up against the wall and just like, and Genki's like, get your hands off me. And oh, Miles wow. realized, like, yo, like, oh, sorry. He doesn't even freak out. He doesn't, he's not blinking. He's not like, like, I'm scared of you. It's like, he just straight up just says that to him. And because you realize, like, Miles is going to kill him. But, like, what the fuck is this power play, you know? Like, what the fuck? So, this becomes like, we'll talk about this later. Like, I got to go. Like, and he's just like, yeah, explain to my folks why I left. Just like, they know he's Spider right now, anyway. And yeah, he starts monologuing. I got him out webbing out to figure, figure shit out that, yeah, he. He and Barbara did break up weeks ago, but it's just like, uh, you know. Um, so <laughs> he makes it to the, to the science lab where the said scientist was kidnapped. And then the scientists that were left over were like, oh, no, not again. Like, we gave you everything you wanted. It's like, yeah, that wasn't me. It's like, sure you're not. <laughs> when <laughs> Peter Parker Spider-Man shows up and starts kicking his ass. And it's like, yo, what the fuck? And it's like, hey, P- I mean, Spider-Man, like, I am the real, real Spider-Man, My- like, not Miles, but... As you can see, he's talking as Miles while he's talking, and yeah. Peter's like, "Yeah, that's exactly what a bad guy would say." It's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> do not do this!" So yeah, because a few pages of Peter just not really buying it until he has to, he has to buy it, and yeah, of course it's Miles. Uh, so they leave the fucking lab and they start pursuing the one of the clones. They get to him, but he's just like blur. But if you notice his mm-hmm. face, it's yeah, weird. Yeah. And then he starts becoming this like. Sand, like Sandman version of himself, like it's like gloopy, like they can just like embiggen himself. Oh, salmon the color, not the fish. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he became a salmon. Oh, I was Sandman, like, what? Yeah, Sandman. Oh, Sandman. I thought he said salmon. I was like, oh, like pink. No, no, no. Okay. no. He's able to just like embiggify himself <laughs> and just like be more of a blobish. 
<laughs> so anyway, two on one, they're able to like web him up to a wall. Um, and then, but he's still not talking. It's almost like he can't talk. And they get hit with this, like this rainbow gas and the person gets away. So this one, they're still trying to, they're still trying to pursue him when he gets hit with the spidey sense, but it's just like, it's kind of wrong. And then he ends up getting, now he's ganged up because him and him and Peter have split ways. And now we get left off with Miles being left off alone in a rooftop with the three other clones. So it's nice. just not good. Cause one of them, yeah. One of them just doesn't talk the the big, the big one that can just go and big him by himself. And the one that kidnapped the the scientist, they only kept referring to him as like the one with blades. He's got these really these really cool talons with them. These really cool blades. Oh, with nice. Them. And the other one is just like this, yeah, the, the obvious monstrosity, the, the spider looking <laughs> one. So yeah, there's that. Uh, there's always one. <laughs> there's always one. So yeah, that's the start to Miles's the Clone Saga. Hopefully, it's actually really good. Um, I trust Solid Ahmed. Um, if it has to happen just because of the Spider-Man thing, fuck it, so be it. But so far, it's off to a good drama-ish start. Nice. All right. I have several uh, solo Marvels that I'll run through in quick fire succession <laughs> as much as I can. Um, first of all, MODOK, Head Games, number four, final issue, that is. Oh, I thought it was going to be a five uh, issue. Okay. No, it's final. Uh, Jordan Blum and Patton Oswalt writing. Yes, that Patton Oswalt. <laughs> Drawn by Scott Hepburn. Uh, colored by Carlos Lopez. Letter by Travis Lanham. So, this whole time, Modoc has been having visions of a family. Like, a wife, kids, everything that's been going on. And he's like, I don't know what this is. Is this real? Is this not real? He's trying to figure it out. That's the arc of this. And in the end, he meets with his father, his birth father. Who reveals to him that no, none of that, none of that was real. We were just messing with you, basically. Oh God! And they attack him, and he uses super adaptoids to attack him. And in the end, he's able to defeat his father, and he transfers his father's. Okay, <laughs> I got to back up because you'll love this. <laughs> um, when they when they kidnap or when they capture Modok, when the father captures him, they take all his personal belongings. And so they're going through a list of them as he's sitting there, like, stunned. And they're like, let me see, where's the list here? Um, three vibranium buzz saws, two flamethrowers, four pim particle proxy mines, <laughs> an antimatter laser cannon, six temporal grenades, and they say, and a cell phone? Like, he's a comp- supercomputer. Why would he ever need a cell phone? And they're like, perhaps a totem to the fictional suburban life he desperately craves. Don't worry. And he's like, we'll, we'll take care of it, basically. And then they're torturing him. He's captured and everything like that. And he's just like, uh, he, they're about to kill him. And um, Modoc, you see Modoc do the little like digital thing he does whenever he interacts with something. Uh-huh. And he's interacting with a cell phone. And he says, during the War of the Realms, I acquired some raw Uru metal. Oh, my God. The same metal that powers Thor's hammer. Yes. Uru is known for being nearly indestructible, incredibly hyperconductive, and its ability to return to whoever wields it, no matter what stands between them. And then you see his cell phone fly across the room and kill everybody in the room. No shit. (laughs) Like Yondu's arrow. And he says, Medal of the Gods? Huh. Barely deserving to be Modoc's cell phone case. 
<laughs> Love it. So good. And then he downloads his father's consciousness out of his body and puts it in his cell phone. Uh-huh. And his father's begging for mercy and he swipes left. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just great. So basically, in the end, he's just like, I found out these memories were never real. But he's like, but thanks to my father's machine super adaptoid technology, I can have it all. So he uses the adaptoids to make himself a family. No, oh my and that's god. What, and that's gonna lead directly into the cartoon. So oh, I'm very really? excited. That's yeah. Nice. So it's gonna the cartoon is basically him being Modoc, but also dealing with uh the family. day-to-day life. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh Black Widow number six. Cool. Uh this is a one part story. It's a it's a standalone story, but it's setting up some great shit. Um Written by Kelly Thompson, who is wonderful. Uh, guest artist is Rafael De La Torre. Coloring by Jordi Belair and lettering by Corey Petit. Um, basically, Natasha and Yelena Belova have moved to San Francisco and are living together. And they're like the widows, you know, and she's Black Widow. <laughs> Yelena, is now, Yelena is now White Widow. Oh, okay. Instead, um, of, instead of Black Widow, too. Yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> um, but they're in a, they're in uh, six days before this. She's in a market with a, where a young girl tries to steal her wallet and is actually really good at it. But she still catches her. And basically, she's like, "I'll give you the wallet back," you know, uh-huh. the, or no? Oh, she basically hunts her down. The girl's like, "I'm not giving it back," and she's like, "Hey, um, oh no, no, she doesn't steal her wallet. That's right. She prevents her from doing it, but then chases her down. And she's like, "I'll give you my wallet in exchange for all the all the other wallets you have." Mm. And the girl's like, fine. So she takes it because she gets the impression that this girl is not working alone. There's someone like ordering her around. And Yelena's like, what the fuck was with that? And she's like, well, there's a tracker in my wallet. So um, there, six days later, she's able to find it almost to like a Judge Dredd like apartment complex. Oh, okay. With a whole bunch of floors. And she makes a bit about it where she fights a dude on the first floor. She's like, am I going to have to fight a guy on every floor every like floor. a video game? <laughs> like, so, so she usually she uses her grapple hook just to skip to the end, which nice. is great. Um, they have this awesome big fight. She takes out a bunch of people. I love this scene because she uses this red smoke for concealment. So the entire background of the entire page is red. That's cool. With all the smoke. So, and it's just her slowly methodically taking people out. Um, she, she gets, she gets them and she's like, this isn't who was in charge anyways. And then in the end, she's like, prepare the spare room. I'm bringing someone home with me. It's the girl. Oh. So the implication they had earlier on is, Natasha wanted to train her up and make her a new widow and or Ooh. Yelena did Yelena did sorry but Natasha's like we're not making our own red room she's like well it doesn't have to be the red room basically so yeah we might get like a second generation black widow character which would be really cool that's cool so yeah so really enjoyed that I love Kelly Thompson's work she's just great so next up Silk number two mm. uh written by Maureen Gu art Takeshi Miyazawa Coloring Ian's, Ian Herring, excuse me, lettering by Ariana Mayer. Uh, so this is continuing the same story from the previous one. It's number two, so I won't get too much into it. But basically, it's Silk working with J. Jonah Jameson's threats and menaces, and at the same time, trying to uncover a gang war thing um, that is somewhat related to her um, uh, to her job as well as her personal life. It, it gets complicated. So, anyways. So she goes to talk to her therapist. Her therapist is the only person who knows who she truly is. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's soaking everything. And they're like, hey, your therapist is gone. She's taking an indefinite hiatus. 
like we got you a new therapist in her head she's like oh, am i supposed to, uh, am i supposed to talk to people like about this i can't keep, just keep revealing this and she's like i don't know if i can give this guy give this person a chance and the door opens and the guy pop, pops his head out Ooh. yeah and he goes Ooh. yeah he's hot <laughs> for the for our listeners he's like hey i'm max i'm your therapist and then she has this fucking look on her face right here <laughs> so great and the entire time she's just really trying hard not to flirt directly with him the entire time they're in the, and she's like yeah having a crush on your therapist that's okay right <laughs> so, and then we find out at the end the therapist is actually working with one of the gangs oh okay yeah, that's sad that makes me sad so uh but she did not reveal to him that she's silk so oh okay i still kept okay just so she still got that safe yeah so really good last quick fire one john walker u.s agent number five final issue christopher peace priest written pencil by george Gianti, inked by carl story color by matt mia letter by joe sabino uh this is a really well-timed story because of the things that went on with uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. Yeah, just having ended as this actually kind of planned this one pretty well since comics are like months yeah. prior and like the show is like back-to-back weeks. Yeah. In the end, basically, uh, there's not a lot to talk about with this, but I have a really cool thing to talk about afterwards. Uh, but basically, in the end, he's fighting the new U.S. agent who is actually pretty much a bad guy. Oh, there's, there's another and, US agent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he's that's the new governmental approved okay. US agent. Yeah. And so the thing with this is um, that I really enjoyed was John Walker, more so than any major hero I can think of, is really good at getting his ass kicked <laughs> and, and walking away. Not even necessarily yeah. winning. Oh, yeah. But walking away. So they took his shield and gave it to the new US agent. And one of the reoccurring jokes in this is that his shield keeps breaking because he keeps making his own shields. <laughs> yeah. So in the end, he just takes the shield from the dude and walks off with it. So he's got a shield back. It's which a real is one. Really cool. It's the real one. Yeah, the U.S. agent one. Oh, so. fuck. Yeah, so he just takes it back. And there's like a hint that he's going to work with Val Cooper. And he's like, hey, you going to pay me again? She's like, no. And he's like, because I'm more useful when I'm not on the payroll because I can do illegal things. She's like, maybe, basically. So, so this is a great story. I loved it. It was fun. But the thing I'm excited about is it says U.S. agent will return in United States of Captain America. Oh, I turn the page. This advertisement, I'm going to read it to you. Yeah. When his shield is stolen, Steve Rogers teams up with the Captain Americas of the past, Bucky Barnes, Sam Wilson, and John Walker on a road trip across America to recover it. Throughout the group's journey, they discover everyday people from all walks of life who've taken up the mantle of Captain America to defend their communities. I'm so fucking here for Whoa. this. Whoa, okay, that sounds cool. Who's writing it? I, there's nothing here yet, but this bit of art they did is Alex Ross. Oh, oh, oh my god. Okay, I love, oh, everybody in their own version of the suits. You got the scaly Steve, yeah, the yeah, shiny and then there's Bucky. The shiny Bucky, here's John Walker with his US agent with John suit. Walker, and then, yeah, yeah. all new cap with, so. Sam, with Sam. But fuck yeah, honestly, I, I'm a sucker for shiny Bucky cap suit. I'm a it's sucker great. for it. It's fucking great. Yeah. Like, oh. The, the fact that the so. whole, since he wasn't, I mean, he is kind of, but wasn't a full-on super soldier like Steve. They have to make the whole suit bulletproof. That's why it's shiny. Ah, oh, god damn! Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. It's a good suit. That's a really cool idea. I'm very excited to see what's. Oh, totally. And I like. I love the idea that it's a road trip. 
Like imagine the four of them in a car together. Mm-hmm. And John Walker trying to conversate with them and they're just pissing everybody off yep. the entire time. <laughs> like, oh, I can't wait. So, which, by the way, we haven't really spoken about Falcon and the Winter Soldier on the show very much. Yeah, no, but, we haven't. Um, for those of you who hate John Walker, you're supposed to. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, again, like, I was tweeting about it like when it was happening, like when episode three, episode four was amazing. Jesus Christ, I don't think episode four, I think fondly. Um, and it's because yeah. um, Ryan. Uh, Russell, Russell, what's the fuck's his name? The actor? Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell, thank you. He just did a phenomenal job as John Walker. Like, I was, ge- because I, because we're, we're the geeks, we're the nerds, and we read the comics, I was genuinely scared of him on screen. Like, him him being, like, the, oh, yeah. the villain of it. And at the end, they kind of, they, they do their own thing. But when he was just, like, tiptoeing that line that I was genuinely scared because it's a person who does step over that line and he still gets away with it and it's like ah fuck that's why he did a great fucking job yeah I really dug it so Uh, next up the rest of these we share so we're starting with Marvel's number one cool Um, so the Marvel's number one has an Alex Ross cover yes Um, one thing I love is how unique this group of heroes is oh, uh, yeah. that we're going to be dealing with. It's going to be a nice mix. So, um, Trying to find the creative team. On the cover. Oh, well, I, I wanted to like oh, make sure I don't miss anybody. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the, while I look for that, uh, this takes place in a um, a fictional Marvel country, uh, Sin Kong, which is roughly... Vietnam, I guess would be a safe way yeah. to say it. Probably, you know, some Korea thrown in there. You know, Marvel creates places. So, um, basically, it takes place over a long period of time and has to deal with Lady Lotus. There we go. I found yeah, it. Yeah, um, just found it too. It's like halfway through, like a DC book. Um, written by Kurt Busiek. Artist is Yodere Sinar. Coloring is Richard Eisenhower. Lettering by Simon Bowen. Um, it jumps around the Marvel universe a bit. And I really like the, the bit they said, it's basically a book for stories that are too big. And so I think we're going to get like really cool, big crossover stories is the idea, but all in one book. Um, but yeah, so we deal with lady Lotus and, uh, she's from way back in world war two. Um, and she's one of the all winter squads, uh, enemies. And she was trying to escape from them and everything. So, and we keep cutting back and shit keeps happening in this country. And uh, we cut to 10 days from now and we get a really cool scene with Captain America doing a fucking like base jump with with an incredibly dangerous thing is we'll just say that (laughs) what he did is fucking stupid and dangerous and an incredible risk of our greatest super soldier to to accomplish this reading. uh, He's in the middle of reading uh, The Return of the King because it does a really good joke because 10 days from now bit to set yeah. up and it comes back later yeah um so he gets in he confronts Lady lotus and he sets up basically a teleporter and he's joined by his backup and it's not his normal backup so i don't think we'll talk about them very much i want people to experience that themselves yeah because i'm curious but i'm like <sighs> there are a few that you would you know expect like iron man but the new um, newcomers that are on i mean not the new new ones but the ones that are like oh shit they went in this kind of direction that's really cool <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And we get to see, uh, basically throughout the story, we check in with um, 
Captain America, we get some Storm, we get some Thor, we get Captain America, Captain Marvel, and um, Punisher, Iron Man, Spider Man. What were you saying? Oh, I was saying like to to this part, right? the the part of the park to like the now part, the ten days ago, I guess from the ten days from now bit, where he's in the park yeah. and he's got a book and it's uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Like in ten days, yeah. he read the fucking trilogy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Um, and then, so we meet a new character and we get kind of like a Marvel's Mm -hmm. feel from this character, which makes sense because that's the name of the book, but like the original Marvel's, uh, his name is Kevin Schumer and he's just a normal dude and he runs basically a come see the heroes in New York tourism business. (laughs) And, and we gather because if you go look back at the group shot, he's one of the people that's teleporting. So. Somehow he gets pulled into all this, and we don't know how yet. And uh, that's pretty much, I, I think, all I really need to give away about the plot. Uh, it's really cool. And uh, check it out if you're interested. And uh, just expect some surprises, because I think we're going to see a really cool array of characters. I will spoil one. Um, Arrow, the, yeah. the Chinese uh, uh, superhero that we've been seeing a lot of, is one of the ones in that group. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see her. So. Yep. Anything else you want to add? Uh, just the vehicle that he drives for his like tourist attraction. It's just like that's a good nod. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll let you guys see oh, that totally yourself, pick so. it up. <laughs> All right, Better Ray Bill number two. Oh my god! <laughs> written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, colored by Mike Spicer, letter by Joe Savino. So as we know, Better Ray Bill really wants a new hammer. <sighs> yeah, he does. So he's traveling off to find it himself. And he's playing ping pong against himself <laughs> on the ship. We get this awesome cutaway of Scuttlebutt, his ship. Oh, yeah. Did you look very closely at this? I was going through the rooms. There's Marvel editorial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no shit. And then, and then in, the, um, in the room next to the one he starts in, there's someone drawing on an on a artist board. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, there's someone praying to a shrine of somebody. Now, I don't know if that's Jack Kirby, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but I'm going to assume it's Jack Kirby. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, but basically, yeah, so he goes through it, and he's he's going to meet somebody, and who is it <laughs> but Scourge? I love Scourge so much. I didn't think I was going to, like, as soon as he turned me, I was like, all right, all right, all right. I didn't think he was going to steal the fucking issue, dude. <laughs> it's great. So Scourge, as you guys uh, know him as the Executioner, you might know him if you've only seen the movies, as Carl Urban uh, from Thor Ragnarok. Um, he shows up and he's like, hey, I'm here to help you. And Bill's like, I thought you died. He's like, I am. I am dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Valhalla's boring. There's no guns. And the face he makes when he says there are no guns is just amazing. So... Uh, he's like, what kind of heaven doesn't have guns? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, basically, Bill's like, well, I'm on a mission, so I- I'll see you later. He's like, no, I'm going with you. You know, he's <laughs> like, and he's like, oh, good, great. They go to the bar where we found Odin and Thor, yes. and they start a bar fight. And by start a bar fight, I mean, better a Bill accidentally scares a woman. He apologizes. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then Scourge. Scourge open hand slaps a man so hard it looks like it breaks the sound How barrier. You? That's my white man you're talking about. <laughs> and then they just get in a massive brawl. Now, I saw a bit online, and I was actually going to call this out, uh, where Daniel Warren Johnson said he snuck a few things in there. Ooh. 
And one of them is uh, Better Ray Bill does uh, a wrestler. His name is Kazuchika Okada in New Japan. He does his finishing move, which is a it's called the Rainmaker. And it's a it's a ripcord clothesline. So you can see it start here. When he whips him out. Yeah, he whips him. That's that's his finisher. That's so he whips awesome. him out, pulls him back, and clotheslines him. I so. literally like took that one in very slowly because it was like, wait, how does that play out? And then I was like, oh, he gets he gets the arm out, literally dances him out, and then come get over here. Yeah, just that's uh, awesome. Google Okada New Japan Rainmaker, and you'll see a bunch of them. So, um, but yeah, so they win the fight, and Pip shows up, and I love Pip <laughs> because I used to be a big fan of Warlock and the Infinity Watch. So, um, and. He's really excited to see Pip too. Everybody's excited, and then Odin shows up, and he's just like, "Yeah, they let me let me brew my own beer in the back and stuff." And he's like, "I need a hammer." Wait, wait, you got to show me. Yeah, something. just right. like amongst all the bloodlust, and like he's like, Pip just shows up out of nowhere. It's like the Magneto face. face with uh, Peeper showing up. Yeah, Pip, what's up? <laughs> Pip, my friend, and he's like holding a fucking corpse in his hands. <laughs> no, Scourge lately stole the fucking issue on this one. It's awesome. Yeah. So Odin basically says, I can't make you a hammer, but I know where you can get a weapon. You can go <laughs> you can go to Muspelheim. Was it Muspelheim? Yeah. Yeah, it was Muspelheim. And basically get the Sword of Surtur, which will work. Well, the Sword of Surtur is powered by the dead people from Betterate Bill's planet. So great. That's gotta be fucking depressing. Yeah. And he has to go through all through Muspelheim to do it. So they go through and th- yeah, the two people decide to stay with him. There's actually a really sweet scene with with um, Pip mm-hmm. about being with him and stuff. And he's like, you know, I understand what it means to not be happy with your parents and stuff. I'm like, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> so they go through. Something happens. And then stepping out of the walls of Scuttlebutt is Scuttlebutt, <laughs> who is now a sexy robot lady. <laughs> so- yep. <laughs> So this has already exceeded my expectations. Yo, yes. I love this series. It's just absolutely great. This book is so. just badass. This book is just yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So highly recommend. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man Curse of the Man-Thing, oh. which is part two of the Man-Thing series. The first one was Avengers Curse of the Man-Thing. Yes. So now we kind of have an idea of what's going to oh happen here. I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> so... Basically, Man-Thing's powers are attacking the world. We kind of went over it last time. Uh, I'm going to run through the creative team. Written by Steve Orlando, who continues to make amazing comics that I buy way too much. Um, <laughs> artist Marco Fila with Minkyo Jung. Uh, color by Guru EFX. And letter by Clayton Cowles. Okay. So, the Avengers are continuing to fight, it, uh, fight this off. And we get Spider-Man. And we actually get to see... What, is it called the Order of the Web? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Okay. The Order of the Web all working together, all the spider peoples working together and defending New York from this man thing, which is you know causing a bunch of chaos. And basically we see different people jumping into the man thing skin to try to talk to the guy who's man thing. <laughs> they just keep taking turns, basically, including Kirk Connors, yeah. who is the lizard, but is kind of in control. Yeah. Oh, my God. So much has happened with Kirk Connors. Yeah, we don't need to get into all that, so. Uh, but in the end, it was Peter that was able to talk to him and talk him into it. So Ted Salas takes control of Man-Thing, and he's Man-Thing once again. And he absorbs all the bad things and everything. And you find out that basically the science of man When he was trying to make the Super Soldier Serum, I'm trying to give a very brief version. Oh, yeah. At least this part, just to make sense of why we're reviewing it. Yeah. Uh, 
he had to make a quote deal with the devil. Yeah. And we uh, didn't know what that really meant until the last issue of this book where him and man thing wrote summoning circles and summoned somebody. And who is it? Hosway, but the badass, the awesome Ileana Rasputin, Ileana fucking Rasputin. <laughs> and she's like, you know, speak of the devil, she shall appear. Well, she did put expecting someone else, though. Oh, that's and true. she did say that. So the deal was with somebody else, okay. obviously. But I'm wondering if she's going to, and the, she's going to talk him out of it. But it does say the next one is X Men Curse of the Man. Yes. So. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty exciting. I'm excited about it. I really, I really quite enjoyed this book. So, oh, totally. Um, I did like the yeah. like swapping into like the portal of that is man thing to talk to him, and it's like, oh shit, you're still a monster. I don't like you anymore. I, never mind. <laughs> you're not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which brings us to our X Men books, guys. Oh god, yes. Okay, I'm gonna start with X Men Legends three. Cool. Um. I, I just, I'm just happy to be able to say this for the first time in a very long time. Written by Louise Simonson. <laughs> for, yeah. Drawn by Walter Simonson. Coloring by Laura Martin. Lettering by John Workman. Um, I don't have to tell you guys how much the Simonsons mean to me. <laughs> they're, they're, they're basically my grandparents. They just don't know it. So, um, we get to go back, as we were talking about with X-Men Legends, going back to former times of X-Men lore. And this, we go back to the time when the original five X-Men were X-Factor. Mm-hmm. And they were posing as mutant hunters, but what they would do is they'd find the young mutants and then train them. Okay. And no one would ever know. So that's that's where we got Boomer, Meltdown, Boom Boom, whatever you want to call her. Uh, that's how we got Richter. That's how we got Rusty. That's how we got Skids. Oh that's God. how we got all, all kinds, including WizKid, huh. who we know from uh, Sword. Sword. Yeah. So, um, so what this was, is during. Sorry, I was gonna say, so what was the point of this book then? Because like the last two were about like making uh, the third Summers Brothers like canon or legit. Um, what was this one for? I don't think this is telling us. I think this is literally just like let's give the Simonsons another story next. Oh, time. okay, cool. Which I mean, fuck it, yeah, sure. Um, so basically, um, this is dealing with the point when uh, when Cable was still a baby before he was taken and Gene and Scott are still in love and it's just a really fun story. And this is when X factors base was ship, which was apocalypse spaceship. Yeah. Um, that they sold from him basically, <laughs> or they won from him. Um, and ship is transforming and we don't know why. And basically it's like, it's kind of like a, a death trap. They kind of have just have to survive it basically. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in the background, Cameron Hodge, who is a piece of shit, by the way, um, like I hate him so much. Yeah. Like, but uh, he hates all mutants, and Apocalypse is a mutant, but Apocalypse and him work together because in the '80s that used to happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Apocalypse makes him a giant robot body. And he's like, "Go kill X Factor." He's like, "All right." So they do. They or basically they get out and they're able to get there and. Um, uh, they're able to survive ship and everything, and then Cameron Hodge shows up, and we're going to have a big fight uh, coming up. I loved this. I don't need to get into too many details as to why. No, it was <laughs> awesome know. To, like, to, to actually dive into an, a, a classically told tale for Marvel, and then by none yeah. other than the Simonsons. Like, this is actually just a, a treat for you, just as much, uh, for me as much as well for you. 
Obviously, yours are so much more for you. But like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but it's actually just like have something of the Simonsons and like be fresh while just like doing a little chapter for some, somewhere before it was like really cool. And I wanted to ask you specifically because I know you have strong opinions about both of these, but is this two of the best outfits Cyclops and Jean Grey have ever had? Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, especially I know you like the white with Cyclops. So. Oh yeah, well, do I for sure or like the, ye- the the yellow suit with like from, from the nineties? Like for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just want him to show his face. Like he doesn't have to cover it in the scuba suit. That's it. I yeah. Just, uh, but at this one, at least like it has like some personality. Like the giant X going down, like like the shoulders down, like the legs is really cool. And the same thing and with his Jean, hair. Jean. You can see his hair, which is cool. yeah, yeah, that's why it's not fully covered. Um, Especially when was it like when Booth did it in like that recent issue, where mm-hmm. it, felt, it felt classic and like say, doing that issue like that almost like like sketchy on like on the on the on the outline. It's really cool. It's a suit that I, I do enjoy. This one. It's fun to go back to when before these characters became too complicated. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, next up, Cable number ten, <sighs> written by J- Gary Dugan. Drawn by Phil Noto, letter by Joe Sabino. So Cable knows we need to bring Old Man Cable back. Yeah. But no one wants him to do so. Uh-huh. Um, we get to see an amazing scene with him and Emma. My God. Which, which might be my favorite scene of this series so far. The fact that she's just constantly drinking, because she just constantly has a flask, or the fact that she just has a specific cable flask. That if I'm going to go talk to this kid or be around this kid, I need my special flask just to tolerate him. Yeah. I just love because she was she was very logical and she was very smart with everything she talked about with him. And yeah. And she was the voice of reason. And again, it goes back to her. I know there's the joke that she's the worst teacher ever because her students keep dying. But she is a teacher at heart. Mm-hmm. And people always think she's like a villain or like a seductress. But in the end, she's a teacher. That's what she really is. So... um. So she basically tells him, like, basically he was going to break in and break the laws of Krakoa and knock out Professor Xavier so he could still Cerebro. <laughs> and she basically talks him out of that and tells him to do it the right way. And then they walk off, and then Xavier walks out and is like, hello? <laughs> like, what's going <laughs> on? somebody out there? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, we get to see Cyclops getting fitted for Hellfire Gala gear, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get to see Cable and Cyclops go on a father-son trip to beat up two mutants from Erico. Mm-hmm. And they do. And it's funny. Um, not going to get too much into it. I love Cyclops taking out the one. Like, yeah, sleep well. <laughs> like, boom. Like, this is great. So, basically, he asks Cyclops, hey, we need to bring him back. And Cyclops is like, absolutely not. Like, that's not happening. And then we cut to Old Man Cable. Yep. Another time, another place. And we see Old Man Cable, and he has the Light of Galador. Uh-huh. Now, Old Man Cable never had the Light of Galador. Only Young Cable had the Light of Galador. Yeah. So this is this is Kid Cable, Old Man. Yes. <laughs> I, my, my thoughts exactly. This has to be like a swap, and it's Kid Cable, Old, old well, Man Kid Cable. He, al- he also has his whole face. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Like, like, so he's not taken over by the techno-organic virus totally and stuff, so. Yeah. Also, his one-liner in the end, you can die quick or you can die bad. It's more like a badass one-liner that Kid Cable's been throwing out than, like, the grumpy old man one-liners that Cable would do. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. 
really, really interested to see where that goes. And the face, so. the face at the end, like the last page, like that's it's definitely kid that's cable kid. old man version. It doesn't look like cable cable. Does <laughs> it distinct? Yeah, even though they're the same fucking person. Yeah. Last book, New Mutants number seventeen. Oh man, what an issue! Written by Vida Ayala, drawn by Rod Reese, lettered by Travis Lanham. Um, so we're continuing the New Mutant story, which is following like four or five different arcs. So we're trying to keep up with all of them at once, but it's really, really great. So we got Moonstar and Karma are in Otherworld trying to rescue a mutant who took off on his own. We got the kids uh, that Shadow... Uh, that that um, Let's just say they've been experimenting with with brain swaps, which they should not be. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> Rangers exploit mutant powers with a safer place in Krakoa. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know. Um, and then we also got Wolfsbane being depressed, because she is. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and no one notices, and that's the sad part. So, um, I, ju- I just really like this. Um, I, w- I don't want to get too much into it, because we- we'd have to go through each story one by one, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I don't like the fact that they're all forgetting about Wolfsbane. Yeah, that makes me sad. So I mean, it's, it's like they're really—they're not like completely ignoring her either. They're like stuff does keep popping out, but they are just like, well, let me put a pause to this one for a second because I was dealing with that too. Yeah, and then this is also we get to see the mutant. They find the mutant that's in the other world. And he's the first mutant that basically says, I don't necessarily want to live forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fool. <laughs> like, but, but yeah, I get it. So, um, so yeah, they get to deal with that. That's really interesting. Um, and Anale, Anale dealing with the fact that he's, you know, he's not traditionally attractive. <sighs> that one like, broke my heart a little bit. Cause like, I, th- I mean, I thought he was fine. I thought it was cool. Like reading it from like, starting it from like where we, we, we've been reading, but the fact that he's like still been struggling with it. It's like, oh, buddy. Well, in our read, we haven't gotten to a part. Oh, okay. Um, you might notice in his design, one of his arms is very different than the other. Yeah. It gets torn off. Oh, okay. And it regrows like that. So it's, it's, this artist is very generous with how they draw it. So some artists draw it very grotesque. Okay. And huge. So, um, oh, I see. That's the, the part spiky of it. one. No, I, I see what you mean. I just thought that was kind of like just him, but damn, but that's really like still like the, yeah. Body dysphoria was still would still apply to mutant, so fuck. Yeah, everything going on with the Shadow King, it it reminds me a lot of uh the special class mm-hmm. back in the day with Beak and Angel and all them when they were like the the rejected uh, students. They were the ones that basically weren't traditionally attractive and stuff like uh like uh Dummy was dummy sentient gas, so he had to be contained inside of a suit and stuff like oh. that. So it's kind of like these are the kids that are kind of like really unhappy with who they are. You so, know? And so they're, that's why they're playing with it. So, talking really about all this and mutants reforming, are you buying into the Shadow King? No, not at all, because he's the Shadow King. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, but <laughs> you, ne- you never trust the Shadow but King. But <laughs> you, you don't talk much about Exodus when he's part of the circle about the Quiet Council. I love Exodus. Exodus. <laughs> I've seen Exodus as a good guy in the past. Okay. I've never seen Shadow King anything less than a piece of shit. Okay, I mean that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I absolutely love that when they met Roma. Um, immediately, Karma was smitten. Yeah. 
like she says what do i do with you she's like whatever you want please (laughs) i was like hell yeah that's great so but yeah i really 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 enjoying this we're on the march we're almost to the hellfire gala Gala. i want that fucking pamphlet dude i want to see everybody in their designs oh god (laughs) i can't believe they didn't make it to portland that was just like the one of the biggest what the fucks I bet you can find it online because it's a free giveaway. They wouldn't. Yeah, I'm like, sure. I'm sure they wouldn't next week. On that, I hope we so. can here next next week. But yeah, it's uh it's cool. There's like tons of designs. Uh, and yeah, just it's absolutely great. I'm gonna show you one more while I have you on the screen. Yeah, it's your boy. It's your boy manifold. Oh. Oh wow! Oh my god! Look at those shoes. Yeah, the shoes into the pants. Ah, oh, the shoulders. Fuck yeah! Yeah. Yeah. So, how, wait. How, I mean, with, how many mutants are there in that in that guide? Uh, there's like twenty something pages, and okay. some of the pages have like seven. Did, fuck yeah! Damn it! Oh, I need this. I need to see everybody. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm sure you can find it online. But yeah, um, I'm loving it. It's great. So, do you have anything else to add, sir? Uh, yes. Finally, I'll add one last thing. I also picked up this monstrosity. It's called Monsters. I was like, explain to our listeners. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's called Monsters by Barry Windsor Smith. Uh, what got me the hook on this was the very juicy, gossipy pitch on this thing. So, Barry Windsor Smith was uh, a Mar- was a rival for Mar- for Marvel back in like in the seventies. He would kind of do with like the supernatural or horror aspect, or at least like in and around horror comics as well. So, I guess at one point. He went to Marvel and said, hey, I have this pitch. It would be like this, and this is how the story would play out. Marvel said no. He's like, no, it's it's just not going to work out, basically. To which then Marvel decided to put out a certain comic that was basically the same idea. And they almost like plagiarized him, but I guess maybe, maybe there's some sort of NDAs and stuff like we weren't able to find out or exactly who. Rumors are that it was a Hulk book because it's called (laughs) Monsters. Um, Right. And, it, and it, I don't honestly, this didn't come out until I guess like an interview in 2013, um, like with him. That, that's when he that's when he let out that bit where like yeah, there was a seed to this, and then and then Marvel did it kind of behind my back, and so now I've been kind of sitting on this, and so he's since then been retired. To which he just I guess he just came back. So this isn't like even like a, re- a reprint or something that came out from before. Like there's like a whole new tale of him coming back from from retirement. Um, pretty much like a whole it's. A, yeah, five de- five decades. Uh, oh no, it's like it's thirty for thirty years. He's been trying to get this to get this out or trying to get it published. Um, but yeah, but he's been writing for fifty years, so it's finally out. And it's, it's just really interesting on how like why would why Marvel wouldn't put out this maybe potential would be Hulk book when now like Immortal Hulk is just like one of the best things out there right now. But maybe just they didn't want to dive into that just too deep then. Um, well, and who knows what they were doing with the character, the and time. that's true too. So, you know, like there's a lot of things that but go into like, that. Just, they could just like a what if, or like an alternate future, or whatever. Uh, but again, because he has a big name at the time, I guess. I guess. But yeah. now it's actually out, and it's just like such a thick ass book, and it's like I'm just so curious. I was so curious off the bat. It's like I need to have it. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout. It's and it's through uh, Fantagraphics. So it's like it's like oh yeah. So it's like this could have gone to like any other publisher, but maybe again, maybe through some NDAs, like people couldn't really touch this one. They had to go through like somewhere, someone else, like fancy graphics to actually yeah. be able to put it out. And it's only know, forty bucks graphics. for such a big book. I thought it was going to be like fifty, sixty bucks, especially with like the name and like the whole like backstory along with it. It's really, really, relatively cheap for such a big hardcover. 
Nice. Yeah. So that's it for my, for my shout out. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, as always, you can check us out everywhere. You can find Geek Elite, Geek Elite Media stuff, including on Twitter at Geek Elite Media, geekelitemedia.com. You can find this show at WHI Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. And our sister show at Jukebox Vertigo. Um, as always, we thank you so much for joining us this week. We will see you next week for a new comic book day with a brand new stack to talk about at great length. And as always, remember to geek out. This concludes our broadcast.